Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation podcast, episode number eight. My name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. I am a Los Angeles-based filmmaker. Uh, This episode, I find myself out of town uh, on a gig in Reno, Nevada, which coincidentally is uh, effectively my hometown. So I took the opportunity to to bring y'all a special episode bringing you into the family, speaking with my brother. Before we jump into that, though, I do want to remind you that these podcasts are available in video form on YouTube. You can find them just by searching the Eddie Conversation podcast if you do want to watch the conversation versus just listen. Um, But yeah, without further ado, let's just jump into it. Episode 8 featuring Caesar V. Hill. All right. What's up? All right. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for coming to my house to do this. Yes, yes. All right, so you are Caesar V. Hill. One and only. All right, so you are my brother. Correct. And I'm stoked to have you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are we talking about today? <laughs> Whatever, man. It's This is your thing. I don't know if you wanted to start it off with something. All right, so just to lay some groundwork for the people listening, you are, I didn't want to tell people right off the bat whether you're younger or older than me. It's always, it's 50-50 what people think. Yeah. Because so, you're, you're, more, you're more happy and energetic than I am. So we will we'll see, we'll, we'll reveal it soon uh, for those that don't know, but um, you, you live in Reno. Yeah. And that's where I am right now. Yeah. And... Uh, I guess that's it for now. <laughs> how do you? How would you introduce yourself to like the, what? What? How? What do? What do you do? It's complicated right now. I am unemployed because of COVID. Uh, I was previously an engineer, a dental engineer, so right. I know a lot about teeth that I never wanted to know, but I had to. Um. But like, I don't. I'm just trying to figure out what it is that I want to do. Okay. I'm balancing between a bunch of stuff and I don't really know. Yeah. So when I think about you, yeah. I think about a guy, I think about a brother. That's good. That's a good start. <laughs> um, but I think about your artistic side ventures is kind of, because mm-hmm. I know, I know like mom will mention mm-hmm. Like, oh, she just up to so much. Talk to him about that kind of stuff. Like, she's just desperate to know. <laughs> yes, she wants to know everything that I do, and I don't tell her because I don't want her to find it because I know she won't like it. Because you've done stuff, like, you've dabbled in podcasting. You've dabbled in I do podcasts. Live I've done YouTube. I'm currently doing live streaming Let's again. plays and stuff, right? Yeah, that was a long time ago, but yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So where do, you, where do we want to start? What's, uh, where do we go? It's, I mean... Well, what are you most curious about? It's a good question. It's a good question. The podcasting is a complicated scenario because it's not just me, which makes right everything harder. Whereas the live stream, right? Is let's just me. let's let's keep it simple, and then okay. we'll we'll get into we'll get into some bigger topics later on. Um, so let's start with something. Oh, I guess okay. Yeah. Let's get off the bat. You are my younger brother. Yeah. By three years. So one one thing I wanted to kind of ask, because I don't feel like I've asked you this before, and I don't know if it's played any part in your life at all or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when... Okay, hold up. Stop. 
Okay. I want to describe you for the people just listening to this. All right. When I talk about you to people, okay. I'm always like, he's my he's my younger brother. Mm-hmm. He's taller. Yep. He's handsomer. He's got a better hairline. For he's now. smarter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I like you're the you're the better brother. It's <laughs> good to know. You're the you're the better of the two, genetic wise. Sure. <laughs> so that's kind of. That's kind of how I how I introduce you to. I mean, you can grow a beard. Mine's all like disgusting okay. and horrible. All right. So you got one up on me there. So being that you were, or that you still are younger than me. Yeah, I'll continue to be that way for a while. There's there's that weird moment. I don't. Okay, for me, I don't even remember the moment when you got taller than me. So yeah, sophomore year of high school for me. You you remember? Yeah. Because there's there's two points that I remember specifically in terms of uh, physical development for me, okay. the, the point where I became taller than you, and that point freshman year of college where I was simultaneously the tallest and physically lightest person in our family. Because mm. that was at when you had been dating on Kura at the time. Yeah. And yeah. you guys. And I let you, myself go. Yeah, you let yourself go. So you were you were heavier than me for the first time in my life. And then mom and dad were heavier than me, and I was the tallest person in my family, and I remember that, because I was, I was like, this is weird, but I thought that was funny. So you were, I mean, you were always the tallest. I became the tallest, and that's not going to go away anytime soon. Okay. All right, so what is it like being younger and taller? Like, what changes? I don't, okay, what, did, was there a dynamic change between us at that time that you can recall, or? Not really because like even in sports and stuff you've always been faster than me and like the the difference in like football and soccer and stuff like the the athleticism didn't really change i just became less bad in comparison to you guys because i was playing with people who were older and started training earlier than me so you guys are always faster and generally generally like stronger at least in explosiveness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i became more evenly matched by becoming taller but it's like i I don't think physically the changes happened for me what i remember happening is at a similar time just because i got older Mm -hmm. i started being able to match you at video games right because before like middle high school for me you would always beat me and then somewhere around that period i started to be evenly matched with you and then i started to be better than you which game are we talking about specifically? You know, it's Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers. It's Smash Brothers. I don't remember you getting better than me. <laughs> well, like, it went from me losing 90% of the games to it being more like or less 50-50. Yeah. So for me, that's being better mm-hmm. than you because I came from so far back. Right, right. Okay, but that, that doesn't necessarily play into the height No. Thing. Like, f- like just... physically, the height thing never really came that much into play hmm. for us as a dynamic, as far as I remember. Okay, what I remember is we used to do this thing <laughs> i would think about like there we would have, have like this wrestling thing that i would do to you where i would like pick you up with your leg i'd like pick you up from the ground and like grab you from down under okay and then like pick you up over my shoulder or something for like for like ever but then at a certain point i don't remember that at all you would start grappling back because you just had a lot more leverage now, and I couldn't I pick you up anymore. But I was maybe like, that's why I don't remember because I stopped it. I don't. I don't remember you ever picking me up like that. 
Those are good times for me. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but as far as as far as the video games, I guess we can. I don't know if there's anything there to talk about. But um, you, we, we grew up. We grew up in Nintendo family because you always got to choose what we got. That was me. As far as I remember, that's mom, when mom and dad asked what we wanted. They would like I didn't know any better. I didn't know anything about PlayStation or Xbox or anything. So mm-hmm. you always chose the Nintendo consoles. Yeah, I remember we had a neighbor. We lived in Winnemucca for a bit, and they had a Nintendo 64. Yeah. And we got exposed to it that way. Mm-hmm. But I remember it being like Diddy Kong Racing, maybe maybe Mario Kart. I'm pretty sure it was Diddy Kong Racing. I don't think we played Mario Kart until later. And then at cer- a certain point, we got introduced to Smash Brothers. You saw it at Best Buy when you went there with Mom one time. I remember yeah. we came back, and you were talking about, like, oh, there's this Fox character that you thought was so cool. I don't know. Yes, we, we, for some, somehow we got Smash Brothers and it was a big day mm-hmm. and we played that forever and then Melee was the one where we, we got deeper into it. We played a lot and tried tournaments and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and there's some big moments in, in your life. Yeah, I, I won one. I still remember that. I beat, I beat Vance and his Marth. Yeah, so there was a, uh, for the, I guess to give context to that story. Yeah. Caesar and I would, we'd just be playing all the time, mm-hmm. and we had all these different sort of roster games where we would kind of develop which characters were yours, which characters were mine. Mm-hmm. We always did that with games. We did that with Need for Speed and all that stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. And we uh, wanted to explore our talents out in the real world. Yeah, against other people. And I've never been good in competition. <laughs> And uh, there was this one guy, you said his name was Vance. His name was, that's what he went by, I don't know if that was his name That was his like, cool guy name, because he was like the cool dude on the block. That yeah, was he, was, a, he was the cool Smash player. So he would always it's win, he had, the, he had the long, sleek, nerd hair. I don't and, remember what he looked like at all, I just remember beating him. And uh, he was always winning the, the tournaments, mm-hmm. and there was the, the one big day that you're talking about. We, we both, that was a, that was we both entered, for... and... I think I don't I don't know how it worked. I think it was like maybe second round. It was you versus me. It was it was it was before I faced him. It was the match before, so okay. semifinals. Okay. Whatever round that would have been, because I don't remember how many how many players were participating at all. And normally, I feel like before that, I was I would always get the upper hand with you in tournament. You play. would always beat me. That was the first time I ever beat you at a tournament. Yeah. And then you carried the momentum into the and, finals. Yeah. And you were playing as Falco, and yeah. he was playing as Marth. Yep. I'm pretty sure that he was, was the guy. Yeah. And, uh, and I beat him. I did it. And I overcame the odds. That was my, that was my story arc. That's the peak of my Because he was, video I, think, game I think he was mentally preparing to play me again and just destroy me like he always does. Probably. But being that you went up, it was like, oh, Falco yeah, is different. It was, it's the two differentiations. He's playing against the other brother, against the other uh, space bird or whatever they call them. Because you, you, you were right. Fox, I was Falco. Yeah. And he was used to beating you as Fox and he had to go up against me as Falco and it was different enough where I was able to confuse him and beat him. Yeah. Because it, it was a very close game. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that was a nice moment that the yeah. family was able to take home with the carry. Yeah. I got free Magic the Gathering card sleeves because yeah. I won that tournament. But we never really explored it further than that. It never became... Yeah, we never like went to like a state tournament or anything bigger than a local... Because it was just the card shop tournament. So the yeah. kids who knew about it would go there and do it. But like beyond that, we never, we never went and did 
anything bigger than that. Yeah, try to qualify or anything like that. Yeah, I didn't even know how it worked back then. So. The other the other tournament experience, because we, we grew up, I don't know, thinking about the, the nerdum that... that yeah, well, there's a lot of nerdy stuff, yeah. When um, we were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. And I remember, I feel really bad about this day, when we went to the mall for a Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament. Okay. And you and I were both super nervous being there. There's a bunch of people we don't know. Those places always smell bad and it's always weird. Yeah. And there's this line to go sign up and there's two lines. So you and I stood next to each other in, in different lines. Mm-hmm. And what ended up being was the person you stood next to was a person you played in the first round. Oh, I don't remember this. And... Uh, it was kind of the same situation with the Smash Brothers. Is I had like the better cards yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you, you were the older brother, so you got to, you made the decks first. Yeah, or something like that. That's sure. that's how it usually worked. <laughs> is you made your deck first, and whatever was left, I got to make a deck out of. <laughs> so the bummer part was, neither of us were. I don't know. I'd say maybe like alert enough to be like, all right, actually, you go move to the back of the line. Like we didn't, we no, didn't I switch didn't. spots. Yeah. And then I just played you first round, knocked you out because mm-hmm. that's how we always played. And yeah. then, and then that was it. That was your experience at that tournament. And I'm always like, we ah. did. Well, we did other newbie tournaments at that same sure. card shop that we did the Smash one at. And like that was more Magic the Gathering though. We did a couple Yu Gi Oh ones early on, okay. but then we 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 graduated to Magic the Gathering, the big boy card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, once like our friend group started joining, right? It's more your friend group, but like yeah. I was there. Yeah, but there's that one in particular. Yeah, I have no, me. I have no memory of that. That's good. Yeah, I don't. It didn't scar me. <laughs> I always feel bad because I mean that, that day. It probably didn't seem any different because every tournament that we did, for the most part, I would end up going against you just by luck, and I would always lose. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's just no different luck. than normal. <laughs> It's just bad luck. But I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that, that you've forgotten about it. Yeah, I don't... I have no memory of that. All right. The other... Okay, I don't know. Let's talk... I don't know how to transition out of that, but... That's fine. Um, Any segues a segue. I'm thinking about personality. Okay. And I'm thinking about our family dynamic. Because mm-hmm. we, we have technically... Is everybody if, against dad? Yeah. If we want to compare, let's say, like our family to other families, like we have a small family because we moved to Reno. Yeah, we, we moved away from the extended family due to a lot of things that I didn't understand for a long time because mm-hmm. I was five when we left. So we moved from New Mexico. Yeah. We ended up in Winnemucca for like half a year. I finished second grade there. And then Reno. And then we moved to Reno and then we moved to where my par- the parents still live. Yeah. So everybody's still out here. Uh, so when I think about our small family and our dynamics, it's you, me, dad, and mom. Yeah. And pops is super stubborn. Mm-hmm. And mom just wants everybody to be happy. Yeah, and you and I are all constantly poking the bear, yeah. <laughs> and we, I don't know if, it's kind of like the nature versus nurture too. Like, I don't know if I'm stubborn because of pops and just witnessing him being stubborn all the time, which made me stubborn. Because I'm stubborn and you're stubborn and dad's stubborn. I think... I think that has to do a lot with just eventually standing your ground against somebody who refuses to, <laughs> you know. You just, that's a game you have to play, right? Yeah, because if you want, 
I don't know if you, I want to watch, I want to listen to this music. And dad's like, no, we listen to the music that I listen to in the car no matter what. Because I'm the dad. I'm the dad, his old saying. That's logic. Yes. <laughs> so eventually at some point you'll stand your ground. And in order to have any, any level of, you know, uh, saying that you can't let up. So it kind of taught us, at least in some form, that being stubborn helps get your way in some way. Because if we didn't do that, we would always capitulate to dad no matter what it was. Sure, sure. That's just how he is. So how do you, how, okay, I guess like the, the thing I'm trying to get to as okay. well is how has growing up for you, learning these methods, how's that affected you in the real world? Like how? Well, it probably got me laid off. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why I'm unemployed, honestly. Because <laughs> if I didn't learn how to, that when I mm-hmm. felt like I was being mm-hmm. disenfranchised for something, because what I asked for in my job was higher pay and higher pay for everybody around me because I felt like paying people who have engineering degrees $16 an hour is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you need to pay them this amount of money as the minimum. And I was constantly harassing them about this. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't do it in the right way, but like, there, at a certain point, be, you just being at the position it. that I was in, as somebody who thought they had a very secure job because I was the head designer on the sub department I was in, I figured I was secure in Mm -hmm. the furlough. But when they decided to get rid of my entire department because we want it better, it kind of feels like maybe that's not the reason, but it it makes it feel like that's the, that's a big aspect of it. We're pushing leadership to not make as much money. Yeah. Cause it's a classic, like, um, difficult to work with is like a thing people throw around. But yeah. when I think of the, the, the joke about that is sometimes what they mean is like difficult to take advantage of. Yeah. Is the that's, that's kind of how it works from higher ups. But before that, on all of my reviews, mm-hmm. the only point that people complain about me about in terms of employee employer relationship is that I didn't talk to anybody. For the vast majority of my time working, mm. I just sit there and do my job. I don't talk to anybody. Mm. I listen to a podcast or whatever, and that's it. Yeah, you I, clock I, in, do your job, go home. It's yeah. like it, it was the uh, I won't talk to you if you don't talk to me first mentality. Like if And it's I, I won't talk to you if it's not about work was because that, I don't want to. I don't, I don't care about making friends at work. Mm-hmm. For a long time until like the a year before I got laid off when we finally got people there who were more like me, so I could feel, mm-hmm. I felt like I was able to actually create connections with people. Yeah, because I remember you started going to, like, the Christmas parties and that kind of stuff, or what kind of... Yeah, because yeah. I worked there for nearly four years. There was four Christmas parties that I was there for, and I went to one, the mm-hmm. very last one, mm-hmm. because I finally felt like I wasn't just going to go and have to be around people I didn't like <laughs> at work, but now they're drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, everything happened. I got laid off. Which ended up being a blessing in disguise. Sure. So before I guess before we go further with that, like I'm thinking about as far... Was it always your methodology at work? Like My, you, my base you, methodology. You're pretty, you're pretty good at push... Okay, le, okay, let's talk more about the, dent, the denture job, okay. the engineer job. My, so My teeth scientist job. Your yeah. teeth scientist job is you started there in a certain position and then well, the, the, it's, it's kind of like from my from my perspective okay. you 
it's a classic work situation where they kind of throw more tasks on you the more you learn and they don't really give you more pay for it mm -hmm. and then eventually you speak up and you're like yo more pay because of more of this and that kind of just got out of control at a certain point yeah okay well, what were you going to say in a lot of ways well that, that's that's more or less how it turned out um but they as far as i can tell and as far as i was told in in some unofficial regard was that I was demanding too much mm -hmm. because I started the, the complication with that job is I interviewed for if you know anything about dental technologies I was going to be in the model room which means I was going to be working with plaster I was going to be making mm -hmm. plaster casts of uh, you know people's teeth because they would do an impression I would take that and make a cast mm -hmm. they would take that on to do other things with it that was what I interviewed for and then they, after four four interviews, they said no. After two months, mm -hmm. and then a month later, they said, "Do you want to be an engineer?" I'm like, okay, sure. So I went in, and it was complicated because they didn't tell me what my job was for four months. I just kept having to do everything they were asking me to do because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who mm. was in charge of me. I didn't know who to talk to if I had problems. I didn't know who to call, like call if I needed to, like if I was sick. Like I didn't know any of that because they, it was for the first four months. I, from my perspective, my immediate um, higher up changed mm. like four times. Mm -hmm. So it's like I don't know who to talk to, so I just won't talk to anyone. <laughs> it, was, it was just easier. Huh. And then eventually, there was a, a big mistake that happened. They blamed me, and I was like, I defended myself, and they still blame me for it anyway. Yeah. And then I demanded more pay, and then it happened a year later, and then a year later, and then a year later. And oh, I gotcha. I just kind of outworked every. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kept having to readapt the way that I worked, so I would demand more pay because it was like a lot harder mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But I don't know. How? I don't really want to. Know. I don't know what you want to know. No, no, no. I'm, I guess I'm curious to hear about maybe in hindsight, like you, like you kind of said, you you don't know if you could have done things or maybe you didn't approach it in the right way or whatever, but I'm kind of curious as to what lessons you kind of come out of it with, if, if there's anything really learned there or if you were, if you just kind of, I'm not, yeah. Well, the, if, if I wanted to take more advantage of the company, all I had to do is make friends with the people who became my bosses. Because one of the people mm -hmm. that I started working next to became my boss later on. And because we butted heads a little bit, he, he didn't ever give me anything that I wanted. And then mm. I got written up for talking back to him. This all yeah, this drama yeah, happened. Yeah. So I guess the moral of the story is relationships. The relationships get you a long way in business. I guess. Which I guess is the thing that everybody knows. It's, yeah. who you, it's it's who you know, not like what you know. But it's I guess the it's the difficult thing. part of like knowing you have to do it, but like finding a way to want to do it at the same time is the yeah, like not the, just doing it to do it, but like the, it, yeah. The problem with me is I didn't like them as people. Yeah. I thought they were bad people. <laughs> At the very least, I didn't think they weren't people who I was compatible with. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't want to play Overwatch with you, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't ask me to play Overwatch with you. I don't want to, I don't want to mm -hmm. play video games on the weekend with you. you just, I just don't want, it's, it just doesn't seem like a fun time. Yeah. So yeah. then that became a sore point for them, which means I have a harder time 
becoming you know closer interpersonally with them yeah and then because starting off on like the wrong foot yeah, you start off on the wrong foot and then that becomes okay. you know the first impression in terms of yeah friendly interaction or whatever okay okay it's like that uh, is difficult for it's sure like, how, how do i how do i tell somebody i don't want to play video games mm -hmm. with them when they're like 10 years older than me and have basically the opposite moral viewpoint that i do <laughs> that's tough it's like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I because that was almost more of like an office. That was like an office setting, work environment, right? Like, yeah, I don't. I've never had the opportunity to. Well, I did. I did the call center work. Yeah, and I and I had the same kind of experience where like I wasn't there to make friends. <laughs> yeah, because like one of the difficulties of that job in specific was I didn't know how much of a career it could even be if I wanted mm. to make it a career because it wasn't, in yeah. in that job. When you look at it, there was nowhere to go up besides replacing people. So it's kind of waiting for people to move on in order to have an opportunity to go up. Mm -hmm. It's like, how I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life and hope that the person above me dies or quits. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know. It's not much of a career. Yeah. So you, you all right. Yeah, because that wasn't necessarily the plan. Yeah, because I, I said from the beginning, at least to myself, I don't remember if I told anybody, but I would be... I don't know what I would do if I woke up at the age of 30 and I was still working at that job doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. If I, I would have to quit. if I was Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started there when I was 20... 24? I was 23, 23 and I turned 24 yeah. the first month there. So it's like if I was there when I was 30, if I'd worked there for six and a bit years then, and I had not progressed, then I would have to quit. <laughs> yeah. if, Something's not going right here. Yeah, it's it's... It's the wrong step if it's still yeah. a mystery what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask about the stubborn, staying on the stubbornness thing mm -hmm. with friendships. Like I okay. think about, um, I guess, I think about myself on how I've got like my stubborn so like if you think of i'm usually like the host of like game nights and i yeah. set stuff up and i like being the one in control mm -hmm. as you, like you like you said like <laughs> i picked the the cards first yeah, you, I you were the always video the games one. we were getting like whatever yeah, even, you always did the same thing as dad but from an older brother's perspective i'm older therefore i have or yeah even if i was know, i'm the king of this kingdom because i'm older than you because i don't even because i don't whether i was conscious of it or not i don't i don't know at a certain point i became conscious of it but yeah um, I think about like there's sometimes where I feel like I I like people don't continue being friends with me because of how difficult I can be with my stances on like how certain things are supposed to go or or accountability stuff and I'm stubborn on keeping keeping on people about about things they're doing things that they say they're gonna yeah do yeah all that kind like of that, stuff yeah. so I don't know if it's like that for you too. It's a little bit of that, but it's not as much. Because you've done really well with keeping the same circle of friends for like yeah, my main like people friends. We've been we've had this. I've had the same core of friends for at least ten years, and three, two of them, I've known. I've been friends with since middle school. Mm -hmm. So I mean, yeah. So I'm wondering. Because at a certain point, you have to let people be who they're going to be, and if yeah. that doesn't mesh with you, then whatever happens happens but like so you've kind of just gotten lucky with the other with the core and it... well it's because we change each other like yeah. friendship changes you, you who, who you're friends with changes who you are and who's friends with you changes who they are to some degree 
and your stubbornness prevents you from changing to the degree that people want to still be around you because it feels like they're growing up in a different direction than you are mm -hmm. to some to some affect. I'm not really sure how you see your friendships because I haven't really thought about how you, I, yeah. I thought about it a little bit, but for mine, my core group of friends, we've changed each other so much and like yeah. what it is that we watch, what it is that we listen to, how it is that we talk, our inside jokes, like all that changes yeah, yeah. how you think about the world and look at stuff. But yeah. we're not the same person. Like my politics aren't the same as my roommates over there. Mm -hmm. But they're similar. We're all on the same side, but we have different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. But we're not uh, cannibalistic where we have to all be the same, otherwise we can't exist at all. Mm -hmm. Like you have to allow each other to be different in order to stay friends. Oh, for sure. I guess like for me, I feel like I have difficulties. Because I don't know how it was for you, but like transitioning to living with your friends is like a whole different thing too because well for me it's like oh you're you're this person that i see in these circumstances and this is my appearance this is my this is how i see you based on those experiences and then we live together and now it's like oh i see more aspects of you than just you on set there's a little bit of that but so it feels like for me i always have difficulties with my roommates because it's like oh well, there's always going to be difficulties because, like, you're going to have roommates who are either more controlling than you want them to be or not, you know, they don't do the dishes as much as you want yeah, or whatever. Classics, yeah. Like, there's, there's always an aspect of that. And sometimes there's bad days and you have to let them have those bad days because, like, you can't, you can't police them at all times. Like, oh, <laughs> Just you know. Sometimes. They, they, they're working a thousand hours at work so they haven't right, done the right. dishes for a couple days. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not mm -hmm. going to jump on your back for that like i can yeah. do the dish it's not a big deal yeah for sure but like when it becomes regular that's when it becomes a problem and you just have to talk to them about it and mm -hmm. hope that they are willing to change and if they're not then that's you know yeah no i, I guess i just like i commend you for being able to sustain such hey. a nice level of consistency <laughs> with with your living core group like that yeah i feel like that's because my, my two current roommates i've been roommates with this is the fourth house and the fifth Fourth house in the fifth year. This is the fifth year we're going to be living together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can you guys do the... We moved every... This is the first... You hop. Summer we haven't had to move since we started oh, living nice. together. Nice. But yeah. I don't find it that difficult to uh, maintain the friendship because, I mean, it, it is weird when new people enter the fray, whether it's because they start dating somebody in the group mm -hmm. and they, have to, they start joining the group and we have to we realize like how much we have to censor ourselves in the beginning in order to not completely alienate oh, them right, right. with all of the inside jokes that we do at all times because it's just how we talk to each other mm -hmm. but it's you know bringing making new friends is actually hard for me because of how mm -hmm. consistent my friend group has been that it's weird when i can't make jokes about anything a little bit because i mean that's just a thing that i do yeah 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 Interesting. I was gonna say, it's, I don't know how it is making friends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In terms, because of course I moved to LA two years ago now, and making friends down there is like a weird, different thing. Yeah, because there's always that. I, I, I mean, I don't know because I don't do it, sure. but I, I feel like there's that secondary aspect of, 
you do film stuff, I do film stuff, so you'll help me, we'll help each other, and there's mm -hmm. an aspect of like work to yeah. every friendship, which I feel like is kind of weird. That's definitely the weird part, where it's like, I like working with you, we get along, we see eye to eye on a bunch of stuff, you're cool to hang out with, but we're not really going to hang out outside of film. Yeah, because it's Cause not people even... people don't hang out. <laughs> it's not even like making friends with your co-workers where you know that the mm -hmm. thing that brought you together was work it's making friends with somebody acting like it's friendship but knowing it's about work mm -hmm. at least in some some level that's kind of weird to me the weird thing it goes a step further than that too where ideally like as i move forward as a director or even like a producer mm -hmm. that i'm not only just somebody that you can work with but somebody you work for somebody you work for yeah, like you're making i can hire you and get you paid so are you are you friends with me because of money <laughs> just directly am i paying you to be my friend yes yeah. it's a weird thing like even on my on on, on the feature when i got to pay it people even just little bits mm -hmm. and people are just so nice to me i'm like it became it became a I'm like why a are you here dynamic. yeah Oh, so I don't know how it is for you in making friends in the in the new world. It, I mean, it's weird because or how you do it. I'm I'm not outgoing. I'm very insular in my in the way that I do stuff. I don't go you call it like introverted. Introverted. That'd be a better word. Um, like I don't I don't drink alcohol, mm -hmm. so I can't go to a bar and make a new friend mm -hmm. i don't really have any hobbies that i do outside especially during the pandemic make it a lot weirder but it didn't really change anything dramatically for me socially but it's like how do you make new friends as an adult mm -hmm. i don't like do i join a book club well i don't read that much mm -hmm. it feels like a fake way to do it like it's the, and it's the same thing with dating it's like how do you meet people when you don't do things that have people around you that you right. didn't already know it's right. like it's it's really it's really strange because I guess, like, the benefit is Reno. I, when I think about Reno now, it still feels like a more approachable space. Yeah, it's everybody's... It, the, the whole city is based on socializing, mm -hmm. going to a casino, going to a club, going bar hopping. Like, that's become a huge oh, part of yeah. the thing, and the pandemic has really hampered a lot of that for people. Yeah, the arts, especially. The arts. There's a lot of art stuff. There's a lot of, you know, outdoor stuff. Mm -hmm. there's the river there's the lake there's hiking there's snowboarding there's like all this stuff that you do you can run into other people and make friends with and i just don't do most of it <laughs> right like i don't i've never snowboarded or skied i've never tried it is there any is there anything that you've kind of considered dabbling well, like you said you don't read but it's like oh maybe i'll well, start we, reading we were, or... we were starting to boulder a lot more mm. and then the pandemic happened bouldering is a cool one that that's yeah, yeah and you meet people there who are really yeah. passionate about it and because people just stop and chill like a lot of the time yeah because you just yeah. <laughs> you have to wait for your hands to cool down <laughs> yeah. so you're not your forearms aren't pumped you can actually grab the handles mm -hmm. and stuff but like as soon as we started doing that more than like once every four months we they closed the gyms yeah so like that, that oh yeah right happening. now i guess right now the only way is social media yeah online and i'm terrible at social media like i've almost <laughs> I've no. almost purposefully become bad at social media because mm -hmm. I just don't like it. Yeah, you've never been a social media guy. I like I used to post a lot more. Like, <laughs> I have an Instagram, I have a Twitter, I have a Facebook. I haven't posted anything on Facebook in a year. Mm -hmm. The last two things I posted were about ten k's I did on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Like that's like I don't use it. <laughs> so okay, 
What's your... Which so, makes it weird when you try to do things like live stream, which means you have to have a social media presence so people can remember you exist because that's an aspect of how this stuff works. Right. So are you, are you planning on doing social media? I've always point, thought it would be interesting to be better at it because like, I hate taking pictures of myself or something that mom complains about because she never has new pictures of me because yeah. I, I don't take pictures of myself because I think I'm very ugly. You're a handsome lad. Thanks. Um, but I, I've always like thought about trying, but whenever I try, I'm like, oh, this is just so exhausting. It's doing not fun, this. right? Like, I don't want to. Like, what am I supposed to do? Post my thoughts on Twitter and hope people notice? Like, I don't. I don't care. I, I don't. It's a weird thing. Yeah, I don't know how most people go about it. Because, like, I don't want to, I don't care if people agree or disagree with me. I don't want to get in fights on the internet because it feels even less valid than getting in an argument at the grocery store or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because even, especially in the modern day, the way the arguments work is you already both have the idea. You're talking about social media. Or Or just just in general. general. Okay. You don't get in an argument with somebody who you don't already know about something that you both don't already have a completed opinion on that you're not willing to budge on. <laughs> like, you don't get in a random argument. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll, I think you have a good point and I'm gonna change my mind. That, that just doesn't happen very much. It doesn't feel like. Yeah, because I guess the only, the only way arguments are ever productive is if it's acknowledged that you know more about the subject than I do. Or even just know different things than you do. It doesn't have to be more. Like, I have information you don't have, and you don't think that it's fake when I Mm -hmm. say it. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, there's so much pretense that you have to have in order to exit an argument with a different opinion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a burp coming up there. Yeah. Uh, Gross. So the thing that I think about is, I think it was a quote, I forgot where I heard it, but it's, uh, that ideally people should be more into listening yeah. to understand versus listening to respond because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're describing the interaction between two people that are just listening to respond to say the thing that yes, they believe. Yes, they're, they're waiting to hear a point so they can respond to it with their predetermined yeah. argument so that way the other person can respond to their predetermined argument because no one's listening. It's, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. It's hitting the nail on the head. It's, uh, okay, so that, that kind of element is preventing you from even exploring the social media landscape because that's no. kind of built into or well yes and no because you don't have to have photos of yourself technically to well like, yeah go on but Instagram like, or whatever you can but like I don't I'm not trying to become a photographer or whatever and I'm not I don't make good looking meals like most of my meals look like a bowl of chili <laughs> like I don't I'm not trying yeah. to prove anything about my plating yeah. or about the process of cooking I'm not trying to go back into videos right now like I don't have anything. I don't have anything that I want to show people okay. most of the time. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe once I get better at the guitar or whatever, I'll start making videos of that. But like, of you playing the guitar, like, hey, look, I learned this riff. Okay, or something that's, like that's that. But like, that makes sense. Social media has more or less no appeal to me besides seeing how my friends are doing and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And even that is like minimal like on because you I follow like 10 people on instagram like i'm not trying to see everybody's yeah. lives yeah because you've always i guess in that space you've always been kind of like a like a cr- private guy yeah yeah you enjoy 
privacy is important to me. Is it is it the privacy that's important, or is it con is there an element of control there where you don't well, want there, people to know stuff? There's, or? there's it's both, because I don't want people to know things that I didn't tell them. Mm -hmm. huh. Like I don't want somebody to come up to me and say, "Oh, I heard you're dating. What's your name?" Like I don't. How did you find out about that? You shouldn't know that. I didn't give you permission to know that. <laughs> You're not my friend on Facebook. You're How do my, you know? You're not my friend on Facebook. Because a coworker came up to me early last year and they're like, oh, what happened to that girl you were dating? I'm like, How do you know that? I don't, I'm not friends with you on social media. I don't talk to you outside of work. I don't even talk to you inside of work. Why did you know this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I... It's like, I, I'm really uncomfortable with that because it feels like it's become more acceptable to cyberstalk people, you know? Because one of my coworkers told me one time that she liked to cyberstalk other coworkers online just to see what they're up to mm -hmm. even if she doesn't end up following them or whatever and it's like that's really weird to me and I'm not necessarily afraid of it but I really dislike it I think it's it's definitely, it's definitely becoming a more normal thing to do it's yeah. like you almost I think many people almost expect people to know what they're up to because they posted about it on social media. It's like, wait, you didn't know I moved to, I bought a new house? It's like, I don't keep up with you on social. How would I? Like, they expect you to, yeah. say, like, them to be because in... they Because they said it to the internet, therefore you had access to the information tangentially. Yeah. So it's almost more encouraged. I mean, but it's definitely you, encouraged. Everybody, in a weird social way. media is a thing that is becoming... You know, the internet sometime in the last 10 years became real life. It went from being a thing you do to being a thing you have to do almost, especially as a younger person. Yeah. How do you feel about, okay, you got your first smartphone at what age? I got my first non-pay-by-the-minute phone <laughs> Like you can get on Facebook with and like, like that kind of stuff, you know. The first phone, because I used an iPod Touch for a long time with Wi-Fi only. Mm. I got my first actual phone when I was 22. Dang. A month before I turned 22. Really? Yeah, that's when I joined the cell plan with you. That's the first cell phone I had that wasn't a track phone. Yeah. And wasn't an iPod Touch that had a texting app on it. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's a lot that plays a lot into the views of social media. Because like if we yeah, grew up didn't, ten years have, later than we did, yeah. be corrupted. We'd be all over that. Because that's <laughs> that's the default. That's just the way it is. If you're not that, you're a weirdo. You're you're a weirdo nerd who doesn't go on social media or whatever. If you don't do it, yeah. probably. I mean, I'm not a zoomer, but <laughs> they probably have. Is that what they're called? Yeah. It's not Gen Z. It's Gen Z. Oh, Gen Zs are zoomers. Okay. The Z. Boomers is, is that the derogatory term for Gen Z? They call it, I think I assume they call themselves <laughs> that. I know millennials call them Zoomers. I hear Gen Z more often. You don't spend enough time on social media. I don't, I guess. You're a boomer. I think so. Okay. I don't know what where we left off there, but uh, did you? Media, okay. Where do we go next? I don't know, there's a lot okay. of stuff. Let me let me reminisce one more time and okay. see what you remember about this memory. Okay. I remember there is a okay, I'll transition, I'll segue out of social media mm -hmm. with bullying 
bullying. Bu- bullying? Bullying. Bullying. Cyberbullying. Okay. Like, I feel like... Like, you kind of said the weirdo without social media. Like, if that were the case, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, how, why are you not there? Like, you're weird. Like, all that kind of stuff comes at you, and people can hassle you online. Yeah, they call you uh, an incel school shooter. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Next topic. Okay. I want to jump to the more stressful, heavier stuff, and then we can end with some positivity. Okay. Let's talk about the world. Oh, my constant <laughs> hell. Let's talk about life okay. in this world. I guess to hone it in really quick, I'm curious as to Caesar and what future looks like and what, what, what you would like to see for yourself in this world? I don't know, I guess. To put it simply, it'd be self-employment. In what form that comes in is hard to say. Okay. Because the, like I said earlier, like at the very beginning, the, the, there's three basic things that I'm kind of chasing. That's podcasts, live streaming, and writing. And I don't know how to become a professional at any, like mm-hmm. I know the pathway for podcasting and live streaming I don't really know how to become a professional writer because I still don't even know which form of writing that I would like to do. I don't know if I want to do screenwriting, like jumping to your field, if I want to like write novels or mm-hmm. blogs. I don't like. I don't. I, I'm just writing. I'm just practicing like getting my voice better in writing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like, so, it's not. So, I wouldn't think it's very good at this point. Sure. But I'm just just doing it. So what are you writing right now? I just like go, like I have my book somewhere around here where I just went online to like, uh, you know, writers.biz or whatever. And like, here's 30 writing topics to practice. Mm-hmm. I just have them written down and every few days I'll pick up the book and I'll be like, oh, this topic, I'll cross it out and write down like the numbers so that way if I want to reference it or whatever, mm-hmm. one through 30. And then just write on that topic for a page or two or whatever and then. Like, mm-hmm. just see what I get. Like it's not very constructed or imaginative. Or imaginative. Yeah. It's not, it's not in chasing anything particularly. I don't have a vision right now for any, any one aspect of that. Mm-hmm. It's just getting comfortable with the... Pro- with the... Yeah, because for me, one of my strengths and weaknesses in working, whatever that would be, is that it takes me a long time to get used to the just doing it. But once I'm there, I'm very good at transitioning that skill into using it in different forms. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my last job was the dentist scientist. I had to use a CAD CAM program I'd never heard of. It took me like four months to get used to the job, but it took me six months to master it. So in the two months after that, after I got used to just the basics of it, I was able to surpass oh, the person okay. that was teaching me. Because that's just how I learn. It's It's slow up front and then nearly exponential for us you know until i reach whatever Mm -hmm. peaks that are limited in my brain i got you so i'm just trying to do that with writing yeah you're trying to get the the four months out of the way once i'm done with the the basics i'll be able to start you Mm -hmm. know jazzing it up Mm -hmm. and doing you know yeah having somebody give me a topic and then i can write on that with my voice and Mm -hmm. my perspective and maybe it'll be good or maybe it won't. Sure. 
but you can at least get started on stuff. Yeah, and it, a lot of that is just for me reading because I've noticed mm-hmm. in the last like six years of reading a lot less than before, mm-hmm. my vocabulary has like shrunk a lot. Yeah. So uh, just reading a lot more and reading stuff that I wouldn't normally delve into helps to not feel monotonous in my writing. When did you jump back into reading? How recent was that? Um, probably a year ago. I started reading more books and then the pandemic hit and I started reading a little bit more. Okay. More regularly at the very least. Yeah. Nice. But, uh, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, I've been reading more too and I feel like it does, it gives a lot of just diff- seeing different styles and, mm-hmm. and hearing the vocabulary and... <sighs> yeah, and I would say even if, like... One of the things that I did was I read the Twilight series mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. the mid-pandemic. It's classic. Because I realized at some point I have read most of the young adult fiction of like our teenage childhood years. Mm-hmm. But like, I had not... Did it stop again? No. No, it's good. Okay. But I had not read or watched the Twilight stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, they didn't like it because it was terrible. Like, you know, there was all that toxic mm-hmm. stuff that happened when it came out and like, oh, just dumb girl stuff. And I was like, I'm going to read it and see what there. There's a lot of interesting stuff. There's a lot of, you know, subterfuge that I didn't expect to be in the book, mm-hmm. given that it's from a different perspective than like Harry Potter or whatever. Yeah. But I, you know, there's, there's interesting stuff in there that yeah. I wouldn't have known to even think about had I not, you know, exposed myself to that kind of perspective. Yeah. So. I, I dig it. I dig it. Um, uh, those books are okay <laughs> they're okay <laughs> now I'm a big fan uh, alright so a classic thing to talk about would be we are currently uh, today's actually an interesting day oh yeah that's one of the reasons we're doing it today <laughs> today is uh, November 3rd 2020 yeah it's a day to remember I so, with that in mind, um, mm-hmm. just going back a little bit yeah. to to the start of COVID, because I've only primarily got to get the insights of people who work in work in the film industry, and it's kind of the same around for everybody, where production stopped for everybody, and yeah. it's just like, how did it stop for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where's the, oh yeah, all the gigs are gone for all of us, yeah, but for you, I don't know how it played, because you mentioned furlough and yeah. all that kind so of stuff. For me, COVID started being a big deal in this area in mid-March. That's when it got to the point where it's like, oh, if there's people here getting it, we need to start doing taking precautions. We had to move mm-hmm. our desks to get social distancing, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then one of my roommates has an autoimmune disorder and asthma. Mm. I was like, hey, bosses, you said that we can voluntarily use all of our personal time, vacation time to go home until the mm-hmm. thing. And then we can take, you know, voluntary time off or whatever, uh, without pay. So I did that on March 23rd. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that week, they furloughed the entire department mm. because of the massive drop in work. Right. Because you get, at the time, the American Dentist Association said that voluntary procedures shouldn't be done for the foreseeable future, emergencies only. And our product was voluntary in almost every way. 
So dentists were basically told by the uh, yeah, you know, the supreme dentists of America, don't give them business. Just don't do the thing that your job is based around. Yeah. Yes. So even if I didn't voluntarily, I, I basically got I left a week earlier than everybody else. I was basically, mm -hmm. and then two months into that, the very last day of March, they told us that we were laid off. We were not going to be coming back. My entire department. You said two months later. A month and a half or whatever. Okay. May, May to the end. So May. You're March May. to the end of May. Okay. Near end of March to the end of May. It's like a, a month and a half or whatever. But that's how that went for me. So the whole time, I kind of expected to be returning. So I just wasn't really doing anything. I was kind of exercising a little bit, but it was mostly just watching the news and watching the COVID numbers oh, go no. up. And, you know, <laughs> doom scrolling and stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's what a lot of it was. I did do some, I kind of started streaming early April just mm -hmm. for fun, just to have something to do. But yeah. one of the things that I should have done earlier, but I didn't do for a long time was just getting a new schedule, like having a routine. Mm -hmm. Like I, yeah. I was going to bed at like 7 a.m. Like I, I had completely lost <laughs> control of my entire life <laughs> for a lot of that. Yeah. But I don't know. Okay, that's, so, that's how it went. All right, so you mentioned, what did you call it, doom scrolling? Doom Is scrolling. that what you described it as? Yeah, that's a common no, term. No, no, I've never heard it before. It's going on Twitter knowing that you're not going to have a fun time. Oh, just you're just going to go going through there for a, pain. You're, you're going there to see opinions you don't like, to see news you don't want to see, but you know is important. Mm. Okay. And is that something that you've been consistently doing since then or is that just kind of like a heat of the moment early or well, lockdown stuff yes and no like what's I, the objective for you like what do you i need for? i'm trying to stay informed because like i stopped doing that for a little bit and then like you george floyd happened oh right right and it's like i need to i wanted to go out and protest but like i can't justify it because covid and my roommate is still at massive mm -hmm. if i because i couldn't live with myself myself if I found out he got COVID and it might have been because I went to a protest even though I know now that protests are not like a big spread event because everybody there generally wears a mask as long as you're not on and the it's Trump outside, side which is helpful it, it's outside you can socially distant more easily because you can say I need a you I can control stay yourself better yes and you everyone most people are wearing masks I would be wearing a mask but like I didn't want to risk it because if something happened to him, I wouldn't be yeah, able to. Yeah, like, because it was still early enough where it's like we don't really know. We didn't know everything about it yet. We, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we still don't know everything about it. But like that stuff still happens. Mm -hmm. you so know, what Philadelphia did, like a week ago, like I, I stayed up all night watching that stuff play out. So what? What? What did? It, what? What do you? How did it affect you is kind of my question because you said in George Floyd It made Floyd me happened. feel powerless because I wanted to help, but I couldn't. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even go out right. there and give my voice. So it made me feel even more powerless. I couldn't even be there to support. Mm -hmm. So I just donated my time and money online yeah, that's to a, try to help. That, and I started getting a lot of emails and texts I didn't want to get. <laughs> sure. But that's, yeah, that's a great way to help. I, sure. I, I did what I could, but it, it nothing feels like it's enough. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, yeah. I feel like that's something, because again, my experience is primarily in the film world, mm -hmm. and I, have, I follow a lot of actors on Instagram and stuff, and when everybody's out of work, and everybody's just like looking for something to grab on, and they feel powerless, 
like I know actors especially are really good at just taking something and running with it. Mm-hmm. So like they're really good advocators because they just I mean using their voice is kind yeah, of yeah because they're they... they're used to using their voice and having a platform in some in some regard whether yeah. it's on set or being notable. So I I know like a lot of people were using social media as like their way to like they they probably didn't know what to do so like I'm, they're just sharing resources and mm-hmm. kind of there's a lot of like I don't know. I feel like I remember a lot of people having the the hate version of that where it's like demeaning people for not seeing the same way as you. That's never going to go away really. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, that stuff was kind of annoying to me, but I I do understand yeah, cause the feeling of, of like what cause the, I I've had these arguments with some of my friends talking about like police reform or whatever. Yeah. Cuz I I am a um I'm a person who wants to start from the beginning, tear it down, start over. Yeah, rebuild. But some, some of my friends are like, no, we got to do incremental change. I'm like, but it's too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you'll have that argument. And some people online will take that, you know, to vitriol where like we have, you don't want to go fast enough. Therefore, you don't believe in this change at all is kind of how they. Right. It's all or nothing. It. Yeah. If you don't believe the same as me, then you don't believe at all. Right. And that's just kind of how it's always going to be. Even on the same side of the topic, where we it's, both believe in police reform, if we don't believe the same, then it yeah, doesn't matter. It's, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, I talked about this briefly with, uh, oh, very briefly with Michael okay. on the podcast, where I kind of just listed a bunch of stuff that was going on in the world, mm. and how I was like, "What do we do?" Because, <laughs> um, there's just that's the that's kind of the issue that I see with social media and the internet is it's it's false. The world's a big place. Yeah. And we just have this thing that just sends us everything that happens in this huge globe. Yeah. And you don't really know. Yeah, I had to stop looking at a lot of international stuff because mm-hmm. like, I have even less power over that because I don't know the language very well. So I have to, I have to trust people who are translating it. And I can't, I can't even go out and protest it's that crazy. in a way that people like, care about. Mm-hmm. I can't go help the Armenians in a way that matters. Money. Like, all I can do, like, all I have is money, and I don't even have much. <laughs> yeah, and then you, it's, it's definitely a, uh... okay, so being that, I know that you've done a lot more digging on, like, being involved or staying in the loop on, like, I don't know mm-hmm. what, uh, what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> what are you asking? Or, I'm asking. What's it like to be constantly Hip Are, deep I, I, guess, in I guess I'm politics? just, I'm, just I'm curious as to if you if you're still doing it or if if what you what you've gotten out of it. I'm trying to do it in a more regimented way, which means that I try to stop by mm-hmm. like 9 p.m. So that way I don't sure because I don't know if it's unique to me, but when my heart rate is up, I can't fall asleep because mm-hmm. I know some of my friends can fall asleep during horror movies that scare them, and mm-hmm. I don't understand it at all, but. Like, if I'm watching something that stresses me out, I can't sleep. Okay. So I need to stop earlier and then re-pick up in the morning if I need to. Yeah. I can always just skim through it if I don't want to read every single thing that happens. But I, I do still keep up with it. And it is still stressful, but I do have better coping mechanisms because I'm trying to exercise more. We're, I'm building a gym in a room that used to have a roommate in it, but he moved out. Right. So that'll be done in a couple weeks. And that'll help a lot. <laughs> Have you thought about... I, I feel like this is a thing that our parents have joked about for a long time. No, it's not even... Okay. Have you thought about getting into politics? Yeah. And like unfortunately. Think, 
because our parents have always said, I think they've said it about both of us, being like, you guys would be great lawyers because they're great at arguing. My and then, dad keeps so, telling me, whenever I go and help him on a job or whatever, he's like, you should be, you should go do. Well, he's telling me to become an accountant now because he's, he sees the accountant that they have making a lot of money doing really easy stuff. It's like, oh, you could go do that. You could go, mm-hmm. you know, exploit all the loopholes and make a lot of money. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. But... Yeah, they've they've always kind of said in some way or another that you and I would be good at politics and art because we all we do is argue at the mm-hmm. dinner table. All mm-hmm. it is, is arguing, so we have a natural <laughs> you know aspect of what the layman might think is what a lawyer does, when uh, yeah. most of the time is them digging through documents yeah. and finding precedent and all that stuff in order to. Yeah, and I, and I guess for context for people at home. <laughs> That's one of the things that I was trying to talk about earlier, where, where it's like, I almost don't even know how to have, I mean, this is one of the reasons I'm doing the podcast, is like, how do I have a normal conversation with somebody, because I'm so used, you're used to. used to just arguing at every point. It's like, oh, you said that, actually, I think this, and actually yes. this, and actually that. And like, Pops, we're going to prove you wrong today, and you're going <laughs> to, like. Yeah, but it's, Dad, Dad is a classic troll, where even once you prove him wrong, he will just start no, he, making things up. In order to prove you wrong with things yeah, that aren't, bad. It's, he's bad. It's, it's bad. It's a, I think that's kind of why I, I I understand Trump a lot. It's like, yeah. oh, it's just the same techniques that way. Yeah, only used on a global scale to prevent people from getting healthcare. Correct. <laughs> Instead of our dad telling us that uh, some somebody was in the movie that we didn't think was there. Yeah, but <laughs> I guess whatever. the nice thing is we don't really. Like the lucky thing about our family is we don't really argue in the sense of it doesn't get violent or nobody shouty. really cares. Yeah, about it's the, all it's all nothing. Luckily, yeah, luckily we got lucky in that way. We're none of us care enough. It's all about the fun. Because I know, even though mom has a horrible time every time. Yeah, because I know there's plenty of people that it's like the classic movie stuff where the family's so matches. big around the table and there's always the one person that has a radical mm-hmm. view here. This other person, yeah, like we don't have that. We yeah. just have dumb arguments. Where it's yeah, like have, nothing. We have dumb arguments for 40 minutes. Okay, so you said, sorry, I was half listening. Yes, the, I the, have oh. thought about going into politics because I feel like, unfortunately, I might be, uh, it, it might be important. It, be it might be something that I could actually help the world with. Where if I become, I don't know, you start local. You have to. You can't Donald, just, I can't just, I'm not going to become the governor tomorrow. Like sure. no one knows who I am. You got to work your way up. You have to. You have to, in some form or fashion, mm. work your way up. Whether it's be, I become an actor, like the governor, and then work my way into politics that way, or I start slow and build my way up, or become a, a lawyer and then a judge and then work my way into the system that way, or whatever. I feel like it's important that I am more politically active whether or not I become a politician, mm-hmm. which is very sad. Which, what's sad about becoming more politically active? I don't want to become a politician. I don't want to spend four hours a day looking and thinking about stuff because uh, that's just the nature of the world at this point. Right. Because I guess the other issue of being becoming a politician, I don't know why I'm air quoting that, but the, uh, I guess I'm air quoting it because I was going to say okay. that you're almost just more of a fundraiser, advocator to, you kind of get lost in that loop of, I need money to run for the thing. And yeah, that's, then, the, that's the whole bad part about what politics is. Yeah, it's about the money. Because you spend, depending on what you're voted to, whether it's Senate 
governor, local, you're spending about a year minimum mm -hmm. fundraising for the next year. And if you're, you're good at it, you're fundraising the entire time you're and then you ramp it up. Yeah, because at that point, what you're doing is... Your job is fundraising, but and, you also and, do and, and then your opinions are based on the people that are giving the money. It's like, sweet, I'll give you the money if you're backing this and this. And you're like, I don't really believe in it, but I need the 100000 Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, why, that's why you do what I do. You, you, you're going you're gonna to have a very short political life. You're going to take a bunch of money from all the crude oil companies, and then you're mm -hmm. not going to use it to help them. Well, and then you won't give what it is because you won't get any money next how, time. What, okay, what about... Sure. <laughs> What about taking the the I'll call it the the don't vote for Royce Royce Foyer method. Okay. Like, because that's where you, where you you're running just to be the opposition, so that way you have the opportunity to get a platform. There are people who do that. Like that's, to combat the. That's like um. I don't know how productive Andrew it Yang. Is. That's how he did. That's what, he didn't run for president. Think he was going to win. He just needed to Yang be wanted to bring out the UBI argument on a political stage, and it worked. It worked really well. Everybody now has an idea of what UBI is. People on both sides of the political spectrum in America think that it's a good idea in non, you know, small numbers. Mm -hmm. A lot of people on the left think it's a really good idea because there's a lot of socialists there. And a lot of people on the right think it's a good idea because well, there's a lot of poor people there and they don't want to be struggling the enti their entire lives you know, at a, at a tire factory when they could just have the government subsidize a little bit of money to make them not have to, not have to work for rent. Mm -hmm. They can do something. They can go to school. They can right, right. go and become an actor <laughs> because sure. they're not stuck in their hometown because they, can't make, they don't think they can make money if they move or they can't afford to move. But like, right. that's that's the the Royce method is the same as Yang. Yang mm -hmm. Gang is Royce. It's yeah, the same method. It's kind of keep it's 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 the attempt at keeping the system honest is what it is, um, which is tough to do. It's impossible. It's impossible to do. It's impossible to do. The that's system the doesn't want to be honest because honesty doesn't pay. All right. Well, <laughs> don't always, too, so, too much of my political opinion. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just curious as to how. If I could, exp uh, I'd just be interested to see how that would play out. It's kind of more well, of what I'm thinking. I'd be going to like a political debate yeah. against somebody who's diametrically opposed to me, and I just have to struggle not to call them dumb the entire time because their opinions are based I, on nothing. I, the thing that I'm always interested in is once somebody gets in, like then it they, feels like something changes at a certain point. Like you go in with these intentions. Even our childhood friend Donald, yeah. when I see him in person, it sounds like he's talking to me he, as a politician he's different and not my friend shout but, out to donald abbott but it's hard to tell because i'm not around him very often if that's just how he talks now if his normal voice is how i hear political speak i mean that's his life yeah his entire life is doing that so he might have he might his mannerism might just be so different that it feels like he's pandering to me when that's just how he talks now i like i can't know because i don't yeah, talk to yeah. him very often no i thought about he's on my list to get on the podcast he, I wouldn't surprise me if you did it, but yeah. it's already too late for the election. No, no, for sure. It'd be, have to be later on. But I, Come back in two years. Because it would be interesting to see on if if that's just like a default beginning conversation. Like you just, But then it breaks down the longer you get into it. Because it's like, oh, okay, I can be normal now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I always think about what changes once you get in, into that kind of stuff. and like. Yeah, I'm sure I would have to 
if I became anything resembling a notable politician, I would have to learn how to speak more clearly because it, a lot of the times in my normal speech, I fumble over words, mm -hmm. I mumble a lot, my voice is too deep, people can't hear me, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm too quiet, stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be tough. It's tough. So it's a big to, ask. I would have to probably take like voice lessons, like well, uh, etiquette stuff. And then it's it's almost stop slouching. It's almost like you're starting that job again for that first time when you have to learn to like your boss mm -hmm. and have them like you because that's the way to win. Yeah. Except with everybody. Yeah. It's a it's a weird thing. Politics is in a lot of ways a popularity contest. Okay. It's the reason that. Um, Name recognition is so important. Even if they don't know who you are, what you stand for, if they recognize your name, they're more likely to vote for you. Yes. Yeah. That's why... I don't know what to say about it. Like, today's the big day. Yeah, it's... it's uh... And I was all, I'm always upset with people... I hate I hate the negative approach at things like okay. if you don't like Trump, don't promote him by having a like we hate Trump fundraiser to raise money for the opposition mm -hmm. because the face you're showing and the name you're platforming on your fundraiser mm -hmm. it's just it's you're actually it's the it's a classic like what's well the, it's it's how it went in 2016 right. everyone's like Trump's a big old dummy. So, when so people, we're gonna we're never gonna stop talking about him because he's the only thing that's fun to talk about in selection, giving everybody the idea that Trump is important when he isn't, it's, it's, or shouldn't be. It's like the it's like there's okay. What's the what's the term? Even bad press is good press, or no no press is bad press. All press is good press. All press is good press. So that's kind of what I think about. It's like oh, you're just putting the name in everybody's head and the yeah, name recognition that you're talking about mm -hmm. ends up winning. Even though that's not what you're going for. Yeah, so even, don't use it. Talk about somebody else. Yeah, because, uh, you know, in 2016, uh, the problem was all, all messaging around okay. Clinton was negative, but they didn't call her Clinton. They called her Hillary, which brought a lot of misogyny out. Mm. And all stuff about Trump was bad, but nobody cared because, well, he's funny right, or right. whatever. <laughs> So being that this Since episode is going to drop a week after, mm -hmm. I'm assuming that we'll, we'll know at that, but by the time this comes out. So I don't know. We might not. There's going to be a lot of, uh, it's going to be a lot of politicking. For sure. There's going to be a lot of, uh, ideally, right, right ideally delaying. a week out we'll know. But Hopefully. I mean, so. Who knows? Being that we're just a couple of normal dudes. Sure. How are you approaching it? How um, how how much of life is currently in the air right now? Cause this crazy thing is happening in the world. Like this. Well, is, I think yeah. I don't. I have the privilege of this not technically mattering to me, because even though well, because I'm not I'm not one of the people that's at stake in this. So if, even if Trump gets elected, no one's coming for me. Right. I don't look. I'm not dark enough for the police to care. You're, I'm you're, not, a, you're a straight white male. I can I can appear Ish. as a straight white male, no matter what. If I don't go outside, I'll continue to be white. Like I, I if I don't if I don't want anything to do with this um, election, it doesn't necessarily affect me in a negative way. Mm -hmm. But it affects a lot of people mm -hmm. around me, so it matters to me. Mm -hmm. But my life isn't up in the air. I'm not going to lose my job because I already did. I'm not going to 
lose a lot of money through taxes because I don't make enough money. Mm -hmm. Like none of the basic talking points affect me directly, directly in the immediacy. It affects me through. It's just, it's just the world we live in, and what you're seeing on your news. Yeah, stuff. like I, I want to, you know, make everybody's lives better, as much as I can, which means reform the police, you know, do whatever you can about the prison system, and mm -hmm. then like mm -hmm. abolish ICE, and like those are the three big points right now. <laughs> and regardless of Trump or Biden, that's still like, both ways, you still have to accomplish those goals in some some way mm -hmm. okay for me because I don't know like we talked about this a little bit at dinner briefly but just the the overall stress of the world oh it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot and I don't know like if you were to have a pie chart of why you're stressed <laughs> like it's more due to uh, police violence and anything else honestly Mm. Like the Trump stuff is really annoying, but it's so it's such a basic thing that it's not stressful. It's just like frustrating. I don't get stressed by people believing that Trump's a good president. I just get so frustrated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't hurt my heart. I'm just like, why do you think he's dealing with COVID well? He's doing the best he can, oh, or yeah. whatever. Did like you the, watch the John Oliver? Yeah, yeah. The, the last week tonight. It's like, yeah, but is that good enough? The answer is no. Look at New Zealand. They did a good job. We could have done aspects of that, but it doesn't matter because he's doing the best he can, and that's uh, some for some reason a positive aspect of him. But like, yeah, uh, the politics stuff is frustrating, but not stressful for me. Mm -hmm. It's it's everything else. The violence because it's so visceral have you thought about joining the police force i why would i want to be a cop well you can the whole leading so by I, example I can, I can be i can be a good apple and get fired you can work your way exactly you can work your way up to police chief sure. sheriff i would, I would love to spend the next 15 years of my life and then, and then you, and then you, and then you, you know, become you really involve yourself in the community. You, you know, top down, hold people accountable, like all that, like you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if that's a yeah. No, I don't want to be a cop. Mm -hmm. It's a tough job. Sure. But yeah, it's kind of I don't know. Something that crossed my mind is like, what avenues are there as far as making a difference? Is like politics. Being that cop that makes it's, the right decision. It's, about, like it's, no, it's about knowing politicians and pressuring them to not vote for them until they pass this thing. So I'm going to go to Donald's house every day and mm -hmm. in his front yard about how he needs to abolish the police or whatever. And okay. then he totally has power over that because he's a city councilman. Mm -hmm. But that's like... It's... It's one of those things where... I feel like I shouldn't have to make my entire life about the police in order for them to be not horrible. Mm -hmm. If I have to sacrifice my my next 20 years to make them better, then we're going too slow already. Even incremental change, like my, my uh, friend would argue to me, would take 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to become police chief in the next 10 years. 
even right. if I'm a perfect cop. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to dive into here. Because, um... <sighs> what are you thinking? I don't know. Let's see what we got. Hmm. Oh, in politics. Sure. Do you have friends who have different political opinions of you? Or like on the other side of the aisle? Because I know one friend that we have who tweeted something that I had a hard time not not tweeted. He Facebooked something. I went on Facebook one time and saw that he posted and I was really mad. It was when Trump got COVID. He said something on oh, Facebook. Oh, shucks. All right. Well, we're like, not going to say any names no. here. But uh, I thought that was an interesting post. I really wanted to <laughs> respond, but I had to try really hard not to. I thought about it, too. Um, but I don't... I guess, ideally, what I tried to live up to on myself is, like, I like the idea of having people around me that have differing views. Because mm -hmm. I, I feel like that... You kind of mentioned it, too, in terms of, like, where you get your news from, trying to mm -hmm. trying to find some sort of balanced... I don't know. Some sort of... You don't just want to be... You don't want an echo chamber. Vision. Yeah, you don't want an echo chamber of just hearing stuff and, and being one of those people that you see. is like, how do they think that? It's because they're in an echo chamber. It's because they don't hear anything that's not that. So, so I, they think it's true because they hear it from everyone. So I, yeah. I find it interesting when I do have somebody in my circle that thinks differently. And I'm like, oh. Well, it's because they, they don't do believe the same facts as I do. Like, the same facts. <laughs> well, because if, if somebody tells you that Trump is fascist, what is your opinion of that do you think that that is true and if you don't the funny what's thing, it based on so the funny thing to me is i kind of like how you said what did you say earlier that you, you purposely stay bad at social media yes i purposely stay bad in politics like i'm like what does fascist mean like yeah, I'm that's what a lot of people say because like a lot of the right wing like word, but. talking points about when people bring up fascism is that they'll say Trump isn't a late-stage Nazi. He's not Hitler at the thing with all the people and, you know, crystal knocks. Like, that's not happening, so therefore he's not fascist. When fascism is a lot of things that you do that build up to that. Fascism isn't being Hitler. It's getting to be Hitler. Mm. So a lot of people that I see who argue against fascism say that, well, we're not Nazi Germany, so therefore he's not that bad, when that's not what that means. And it's tough to make that comparison in the first place, too. <laughs> yes, a little bit, kind of. There's, <laughs> well, like, secret police and people getting kidnapped on no, the street. No, I just mean that it's like, why are you using that as your barometer in the first place? It's like, because that's what everybody looks at. Mm -hmm. You know, fascism is what Hitler is. They don't look at Mussolini. They don't look at Stalin. They look sure, at sure. Hitler. He's the, he's the yardstick for what it is, the worst of the worst. So if you're not that, then you're not it at all. I don't know, but I, I, I to answer your question about friends, I feel like... My closest um, experience with that kind of interaction is more more involves on the early sets that I got to be on mm -hmm. post or during COVID. Uh, was it's 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 almost like you can just see America being 
shrunk down and like this is our set yeah microcosm and yeah it's a microcosm of all right you can tell these guys are anti-mask these guys are pro-mask here's the world they yeah. they're they're putting up a fight i'm putting this on these people are doing the best they can and care like it's yeah, a... but like you can't argue with them about why masks are good because they don't believe in what's real their facts are based on nothing <laughs> Well, and you can't and you can't prove that to them because they don't their belief system is being touted as mm-hmm. true. You know, belief and truth are the same thing to a lot of people and that's how, you know, you get bad things to happen. Or it's even just like okay, like one example that I've been thinking about is I have noticed there's a lot of smokers on film sets. Okay. There's sometimes more smokers than non-smokers. Than non-smokers. Mhm. Uh, the heavy smokers care less about health, which makes sense because they're heavy smokers. Yeah, it's, so it's in the nature, yeah. So when you talk about COVID being a health risk, you're like, well, I'm already smoking two packs a day. What do you mean? I'm already killing. Like you know, it's kind of like, what's that on top of this? Like I'm already. And then, and then there's the talk of like secondhand smoke is bad, so don't smoke because you're hurting others. It doesn't stop them from smoking. Why would it stop them from the mask thing, too? Well, it's about empathy. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. But they fight so much already. Well, it's like, I'm not telling you that you can't smoke. I'm just saying, could you not smoke in my face? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, I'm already smoking, so what do I care about you? And so like, you, that's not an argument. So you, you walk away if you want to. Yeah. And then I have to, I have to take action to protect myself because right. they refuse to even give up any aspect of comfort in order to help me yeah it's the same argument i'm not asking you to stop smoking i'm just asking you to not smoke into my own lungs all right so let's let me try to spin up try to go more positive here somehow okay it's easy to devolve devolve into into uh the world is a no-win scenario kind of thought oh yeah (laughs) if you were Okay, what is a? <laughs> this could come out negative too. Okay. But what's a? What are you hoping for? What's what's keeping Caesar? Like, what gets you back into a positive? Like, is it is it the news of discovering water on the moon? Is that kind of cool? And you're like, all right, there's hope. There's hope. Really. We can colonize on the moon. We can we can extract the hydrogen. We we don't need <laughs> water from the moon. <laughs> We're not running out of water. No, no, I'm saying when you when you have a base on the moon, you don't need to export from Earth. You can actually just you can take it you from can pull the surface from to the have surface. it as a permanent base. And yeah. you can create oxygen and your yeah, hydrogen I, fuel like ba- oh. basically since Trump got elected, space travel has become a non-topic to me because mm-hmm. it's uh, it becomes like like the movie Elysium where it's like, oh, only the rich people get to not have to live on a hellscape yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like, well, why, why don't we just, you know, not destroy our own earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's the news of, again, this is like, I feel like it's all Musk stuff. Yeah, and where... then he's like, we're not going to follow laws. <laughs> there's no earth laws will matter on Mars or whatever. <laughs> no earth laws. I'm, I... I'm not familiar with that speech. Well, he, he tweeted something about how when we get to Mars, he's not going to enforce Earth laws there or whatever. And then I only saw that because somebody did a retweet and they put a picture of him next to uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, mm-hmm. uh, Jeffrey Epstein's like right-hand person or whatever. Mm. 
in, implying that Musk is uh, he wants to have un- sex with underage people or whatever. Hmm. But yeah, I don't I don't think about intergalactic or interstellar or interplanetary travel almost at all anymore because it's not. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter as much mm-hmm. as you know maybe sure sure maybe stopping Coca Cola from poisoning all the water on Earth or whatever. Yeah. Or holding okay. them to account for you know well, lying about recycling and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. What about? Well, I was gonna say about the other Musk stuff, Elon Musk and his and his constant lies about what he's gonna do with his resources. Yes. His uh, the the worldwide Wi-Fi that he's trying to get up there. Yeah, because he he wants to ruin telescopes from ground level, which is what satellites do. What does it do? They they've already shown that a lot of SpaceX stuff. Because like when you do when you when you're trying to like ruin telescopes, is that what you said? Yeah, if you have a telescope on top of a mountain and you're trying to take a long. Uh, mm. exposure picture of outer space these satellites just fly by in front of your telescope and ruin the exposure because they're creating these right, lines right, across right, it right. and SpaceX is making that a lot worse by putting more and more things into space so they're Wi-Fi launching, satellites so they're launching a bunch of satellites for this mm-hmm. world Wi-Fi or world whatever because he wants to become you know the Nikola Tesla of modern cool. age I like the idea of it's not a bad idea but you could also just like I don't know how else you would do it. Do it the way that the rest of the world has done it. Like, you don't need Wi-Fi everywhere. Right. You're just I on the, you're on the, you're on the like, ocean somewhere. You're like, ooh, I've still got the signal. It's like, I don't need I don't need to see <laughs> everything at all times, no matter what. Well, because like it's, 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 it's a good idea. It's Tesla's original idea of, you know, putting a big place that universal electricity, universal wireless electricity. Like, that's a good idea, but you don't need to use satellites for that. You can, you can mm-hmm. figure it another way. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't need Wi-Fi in the middle of Savannah during a safari. You don't need it on yeah. your hike at the top of you know. All right. So if so if those things don't cheer you up, then what what cheers you up these days? Is it uh, the news of like news well, doesn't cheer me? Up. No, the news of like uh, I know you don't keep up with like the Smash Brothers character announcements. It's like oh my gosh. Well, like my Steve's my friend coming. my friends post about that, so I hear about it, but I don't keep up with it. You or, know, or or Marvel news. I know Marvel news has Marvel. been stoked. Been what was what I was gonna say? Has been exciting for me. Like the whole multiverse thing that they're gonna try to pull no off. Idea. I don't care about Marvel. Oh, it's so. Cool. I still think that they should have ended Infinity War. Should have been the last movie they did. That would have been that would have been a you bold say decision. that now. Yeah, because I think it's a more interesting idea to have your heroes lose at some point than to constantly win, and then have happy. I don't know. It just. Sure, sure. When when your heroes never lose, there's no stakes. I've heard I've heard, I've heard no that tension. before too. I've heard plenty of people say like that's a good ending there. Call it good. Yeah, like Thanos wins. I I really, I, I was I was a decent fan of Marvel for a while, and then Civil War really, really made me dislike a lot of it because uh-huh. it wasn't even what it was supposed to be. It wasn't an argument against anything. They told you who's right. <laughs> There's no, there's no real nuance there. Uh-huh. They don't even present it as being two different sides, and you get to choose like, oh, am I Iron Man or am I Captain America? Mm-hmm. It's like you're always Captain America. It's his point of view the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's right because you see what he says, and it makes more sense because you don't have a counter argument. We have Iron Man. He says sign, sign the papers. And yeah, Cap he says, says it in don't. the first ten minutes, and then it's Captain America the whole rest of the movie. But then Iron Man says, "I want to punch you in your teeth." Yeah, <laughs> it's like. I have this. I have Captain America, the nicest man in the world, mm-hmm. telling me what he believes. It's like, oh, it sounds reasonable. And then you have Iron Man being a 
an unrepentant asshole the whole time, I wonder who you want to believe. Well, for sure. I mean, it's, it's Cap's movie. so It's, it's, Cap, kind of... it's Captain America's movie. There's sure. no nuance in it. And the bad guy shouldn't have even really been a bad guy because mm -hmm. he was just mad that his family died in a tragedy caused by the Avengers. Sure. But anyway, the multiverse seems cool. I don't know. <laughs> but I, 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 I have no real plan of watching those movies going forward. I just imagine you years down the road, you're going you're gonna to be like, I'm glad they continued. Yeah, sure. Because I just got to see Tobey Maguire. and That'll be kind of funny, <laughs> but like I I heard about that, but I don't even, I, I don't even know if that's real news because somebody could have made that up and I just saw it. I have yeah, no idea. there's been conflicting news stories on it, but I still like the idea. Of I all the I, older Spider-Man coming together. Well, because to the rumor right Hall now, the rumor right now is that, yeah, you have Andrew Garfield, you have Tobey Maguire, and you have the Sinister Six multiverse version. I don't know what that means. So you have uh, Electro from Andrew Garfield's movie. You have like Green, Green Goblin, Goblin from whatever movie. You, you have, have James Franco in there too. And you'd have the the newer villains too. You'd have uh, uh, James Franco. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. That'd be weird. And Tobey Maguire's normal? No, I guess I'm. I wasn't a fan of James Franco's arc in. Well, what are they going to do? Bring Willem Dafoe back? That'd be cool. Is the original Green Goblin? Give him a new costume, upgrade it. It'd be sweet. <laughs> okay. But anyway. Yeah, like, I don't... Like, the, the things that make me happy these days are just what I would call, like, mindless, fun entertainment stuff. Mm -hmm. Video games? Video games, playing video games with my friends. Because I don't... Honestly, in the last, like, six years or whatever, playing video games by myself hasn't been nearly as fun. Mm -hmm. Like, the only times I have like quote-unquote fun is like Dark Souls which is not a fun experience but it is a rewarding experience because mm -hmm. you feel like you get better at the game and that's that's rewarding in and of itself but it's just playing Apex, Rocket League with my friends, playing Among Us as the, the memers that we are or whatever mm -hmm. but like it's just watching like mm -hmm. Red Letter Media, it's watching you know these people just talk about stuff and it's fun and they're funny. You know, that's I just trying to trying to have a funny time that I don't have to think about politics for four seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoa. Like, that's that's where the fun comes in. I don't have to because honestly, during during the pandemic, red letter media has been a really nice, you know, place to go because mm -hmm. they do movie reviews. I don't know if you know who they are. Mm -mm. They they do a lot of movie reviews. They they did the original. They they kind of innovated at the YouTube video essay on movie stuff back in the day when they Red Letter Media when they destroyed the the Star Wars prequels with like re reviews that are longer than the movies hmm. but like they have they have a, a, t a huge backlog and they're like 30 to 30 minutes to an hour and a half and it's and they're funny guys and they have good insights and stuff so I watch them to just think about something else mm-hmm yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Like, that's, I guess, similar to what I do, is I had my routine where I would play Animal Crossing. I guess it might are more solo experiences, because uh, you have the nice foundation of the years of gaming with your dudes anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's like either Smash Brothers Online and burn burn hours with that, trying to get into Elite Smash, mm -hmm. or... Or I was playing Animal Crossing for a lot, for a lot of the time in the beginning, yep. when that first came out. Uh... And then, and then the books, the reading helps too. Cause that, I like the books a lot too because it gets you away from a screen altogether. The way that I read it, I don't know if you do physical books or not. Yeah, I prefer that. Yeah, because like, otherwise it's like your phone or your, your laptop, you're always staring at a screen. So. Yeah. 
yeah, reading, exercise. Exercise has been good. Um, yeah, it's, it's YouTube, occasional yeah. shows. I've been getting a lot more into watching like football talk mm. because it's more mindless, not politics. Yeah, it's like stuff I, that doesn't matter, politics. Until like... Stephen A starts yelling about <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Okay, it's not it's not super common, but he'll occasionally go on a diatribe about yeah, racial it. politics. And it's like I wanted to watch this for not this. Yeah, but other than that kind yeah, of stuff, he'll it's... he'll turn the story of like, wait, Bill Belichick said this thing about Cam Newton, but he never said that about Tom Brady. Why didn't he give him props when he got a victory? I haven't seen those. Before. And then he turns it into a racial thing when really it's about coaching styles. When Tom Brady does better, when he doesn't feel like he's being appreciated and he's not good enough when. Cam Newton needs like you're great dude keep it up like they're just different but he turned that story into like a, a racial oh. thing I don't know maybe but it's hard to know because there's a lot of racial stuff in the NFL like Kaepernick and his whole never returning to the NFL yeah, because... for those that don't know Kaepernick's from Nevada oh That's he true. went to school he in Nevada and he was on campus with me when I was going there well me he left when I started mm. Yeah, so it was kind of interesting that he became a name. He became a... He went to a Super Bowl. He did well. And then for he that stint. stood up for you know the rights of his people or whatever and got kicked out of the NFL forever. It's a bummer. Yep, that's what everything turns to. A bummer. <laughs> it's a bummer. It's a bad time. <sighs> All right, mister. We still got 40 minutes here. Mm -hmm. What do we got? Speaking of bummers. Oh, no. How do you how are, how are you dealing with your receding hairline? Because like my hairline is receding, mm. it's not quite as fast as yours, but it is it is going away, and I'm very self conscious about it. Me, I've entered the final phase. <laughs> the long hair. The long hair. The Jared Leto. I was talking to actually talking to mom about this earlier today. Mm -hmm. I was like. The plan right now, I guess for me, I feel like I've never had a proper hairline anyway. Like, You've always had a big forehead. Yeah, like, it's, it's always been, it's always been a high forehead, and I've always had like the the little the, arches or whatever they're called. The, the, some some kind of widow's peak. The double peak. Um, so for right now, what I do is I'm like, all right, like the man bun is a good final phase, and it kind of works with like just getting the hair back and embracing mm -hmm. the line. Uh, and then I'm like, I'll ride that out for for a couple of years, and then and then buzz it, and then kind of do go. and then do the the shaved head look. That's kind of my plan right now. But I guess I don't know. Like it's I'm more self conscious about it when the hair's down, when it's when it's up and tied, or if it's short, it's cool. But once it gets long enough, where this thing is like trying to. We're trying to like I don't know what to do with this front part. Mm -hmm. Like it's annoying, but okay. I don't know. I think there's I think there's. It's the same as anything else. It's like this is who I am, mm -hmm. and I didn't have a choice. I was I didn't make a decision on when this would go or what hairline I got. You're or, not, you're not gonna use your Hollywood millions to uh, invest in your hairline. Uh. And so it's more about this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Just embrace it, and you're just happier than fighting it. But that, you mentioned that you're having the... Yeah, my hairline's slowly receding. And I, I think I'm the only one of my group of friends that has a receding hairline right now. I think everybody else is pretty consistent. 
which makes me feel like I'm even older because I'm the second oldest person in my group of friends mm -hmm. in cities. Hmm. So, so you're you have yet to come to terms with the inevitable path. Yes and no, but it's like. I'm, I'm still thinking, like, could I slow it down? Because I, I get all those ads on podcasts and stuff, mm -hmm, like, you mm -hmm. take these pills and it'll... I think Philly D does even some your, of those, yeah. Your hairline will stop receding or it'll come back or whatever. I'm like, should I take those? Is that a scam? They've never had a cure for... Because I know that if you want to have a scam, <laughs> one of the things that you can make the most money on is tricking guys into thinking that their hairline will stop receding or that their hair will come back by selling them pills because they don't know the science. And it's just a get-rich-quick scheme if you want to do that. You can get some brain Right. I mean, it's because it's not a thing. If it were a thing... Because as far as I'm aware, you have, to, you have to go the Elon Musk route and get some kind of surgery. Well, I don't know what he did specifically, but mm -hmm. he, he... In the early 90s, or the late 90s, when he did... Um, what's that called? PayPal. When he, when he made PayPal, you can see pictures of him and his, his hairline is kind of like yours. It's just receding and it's thin in the front and then you look at him now and it's full and solid and stuff. Mm, mm. He did something. I don't know what it was, but he did something to yeah. fix his hair. I mean, rumor has it you can like just take patches. Yeah, you take from, hair from somewhere else and replant and it. And replant it and it's kind of like good good deal. But I don't, I don't know what the most efficient way of doing it is. Yeah. Time, for, time to look into it. But no, I, I prefer to just you like... Know, you don't want to have a pick next week where you have a complete hairline. Embrace embrace nature. Because I've seen, I've seen some like people that I know try to fight it. Mm -hmm. I've just been wearing a lot of hats because I'm self-conscious. In like, in like their mid-twenties and they have like... You can't even, they have, they're wearing the hat because they're still recovering from the surgery or whatever. And then I see them later. I'm like, you look the same that you did before. What... I don't like. What did you do? Are you you? Don't, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's no fix. I was just curious how you how you were dealing with that no, because I, I am still struggling a little bit with the idea of looking like a horrible old person sometimes. I I think one of the Facebook ads or something that I got recently was like, or I was on I was on YouTube recommended, <laughs> and it was like, uh, I don't know, ten examples of. Of dudes that look better clean shaven than with their hair. Sure. And they just had like the transformational pics of like, oh, that guy looks super confident now and he's clean shaven versus mm -hmm. him trying to make that hair work. But of course, it's always like the crappy photo and he's yeah, and it's always people that have like a nice shaped head or whatever. <laughs> and he's a bum, he's in a bum mood and then you see him now smiling. He's with smiling with a shaved head, yeah. I'm like, yeah, sometimes they actually do look bad. like that. He's pulling it off. Yeah, it's, it's, Oftentimes, but, I would say it's better if you're at the stage where you're doing comb-overs or whatever to hide that you don't have hair on top of your head, that you're probably better just embracing it than trying to hide it, but like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not at that stage yet. I don't know how close, close. I don't know when I'm going to get to your, your level or be <laughs> like, level. I don't know. I don't know what level of hair loss I'm, I'm destined for. I don't know if I can be like dad where it's, he still has his hair just kind of thin or if it's yours going to kind of just go, go back and back for a long time and maybe go away completely. Who knows? Uh, I haven't had the uh, this part start yet, as far as I can tell. The back is still super thick, which is the the annoying part too, because I'm like, yeah, you can't get... you can't just keep the hair if the back is thick. Like you're, you can't you're just you're getting the toilet bowl look. Yeah, yeah, like that hasn't happened yet. I'm like this at some point. This is gonna thin and connect. Mm -hmm. Those two, those two lumps. And once that, I'm yeah, you know, I'll just go for the clean shave and yeah. And embrace that as part of my a part of my morning routine, right? Where I you guess should, I'm you just, just raise your head every day. 
Yep, gotta keep that consistent. Keep the beard. Yeah, for sure. And then get this down so I can start tightening. Oh together. god. Get the, get the long goatee. <laughs> yeah. What do I got over here? I don't have much. I don't have much left. Let's talk about traveling okay. and and dreams. Me and my group of friends, we had initially planned on going to Japan in 2020. Mm. We had that goal in 2018. Mm. And then one of our friends was in law school and he wasn't going to finish until last semester. He finished. He is. He passed the bar exam like uh, about a month ago. So he's now mm. a lawyer and he can start making money to save money to go to Japan. So we, we went from Japan 2020 to Japan 2021 and now we're like Japan 2021 if we can. Because who knows what state of the world's going to be in. Mm. I feel like it's possible. Because it's like... America has done nothing about COVID. We're re-spiking now. We have the most, this last week was the most cases in, ever, ever in the world, in America. Yeah, in a single country, yeah. In a single country, in a single week, we got the most cases on record. So, who knows when it's going to go away. You said Japan? Yeah. We're going to go to Japan for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Some, I think one of them can go for a month. Was there a particular season you were aiming for? Or is that still kind of like... Flexible. We were going for not the when the Olympics happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's there's a little bit of a, a fight between like spring the, the transition between spring and summer, and then like the fall winter time. Because if you want to go, we can go spring. If we want to go hike, um, I just forgot the name of the mountain. Is no, that, Kilimanjaro. No, it's not. That's not Japan. <laughs> there's a big mountain in Japan that I just forgot the name of somehow. Um, Fuji. It's Fuji. That's the one. Yeah, Got like if you it. want to go, Mount Fuji's open for hiking two weeks a year. So we would go sometime during that so we can go hike Mount Fuji. Mm-hmm. Or we'd go later in the year because no one ever goes during the wintertime to Japan, and that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, just, I, just, not, just not during the Olympics. Yeah, I guess I guess in the end, it's probably a win-win scenario, right? Yeah, you're going to go. You're there, and the cities are there regardless of what time you go yeah and we're gonna it's it's food and it's getting the experiences and seeing the hikes Mm -hmm. and going to the shrines and seeing the culture and trying to learn how to speak it a little bit so you can go and maybe talk to somebody i took japan japanese for a few years (laughs) i took japan (laughs) you took japanese for a couple years i took japanese for three years in high school and two years in college okay and i don't know most of it anymore yeah but it's it's all in there. It's just I, the way that my brain does language is that Spanish is also in that same section too, so it's confusing. Yeah. So what about why Japan? Because we're all. I mean, my friends are all weebs. What's a weeb? A weeaboo. So somebody who is a big, uh, like a a nerd for anime. Okay. Is a, is an is a common way for a weeaboo to be. Is that like? It's not somebody who wishes they were born Japanese, right? That's a different thing? That's like a subset. That's like an extreme version of it. But they are all much bigger fans of Asian media Mm -hmm. than I am. Yeah, the culture. They watch watch more anime than I do. They consume more manga than I ever have. I I didn't take Japanese. Everybody who took Japanese in high school was was anime. Yeah. And I was the only one that wasn't really. I yeah. didn't. Go, I didn't take Japanese because, like, oh, I, I really want to l- listen to it without American voices or whatever. Like, I took it because it wasn't Spanish, and Spanish was ruined for me in middle school. Yeah. And it wasn't French, which you took, and I, I had no it. interest in. Yeah. 
Maybe Japanese is cooler. At our high school, when I was going there, I could have taken Paiute, which maybe I should have. But where would you, where could we take that? In, at our high school, they uh, they no, offered they, Paiute. No, they didn't. Uh-huh. I don't remember. It was next that. to the Japanese room. No. Ah. You could have taken Paiute. I think they only did two years because that's as yeah, yeah, much yeah. as whatever. That's but crazy. You know, I took Japanese because it wasn't Spanish. It wasn't French, and I wanted to get an honors diploma, so I needed to take a foreign language. So I mm-hmm. took that, and it was fun. Ended up liking it. It was an interesting thing. I learned a lot about, you know, the culture. a new culture. Because, you know, growing up, a lot of my friends were of some kind of Latinx descent. So I got I got to see a lot of that growing up. So it wasn't new to me taking mm-hmm. Spanish. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know... There's only yeah something different. It's just sure. it's just new. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But they want to go to Japan because the reason anybody would want to go to Japan, it's an interesting place, and they have things that are there that they want to see and experience. Did you take Japanese with any of them? Were they a part of? I saw a couple of them. One of them took Japanese separately because they didn't start freshman year of high school. So they were a year later than us. Uh, I was, took it with one of them directly, and that's it. The rest of them, mm-hmm. a couple of them are teaching themselves Japanese right now, but everybody just... So do you guys ever practice together? No. And that we were supposed to. We, we schedule times to do it, and then the person who scheduled it is never available during those times. And you don't want to do it just three instead of four? Well, it would be... It'd be one instead of two. <laughs> one instead of two. <laughs> gotcha. So it's like, it didn't work out. Yeah, because I know, I think Japanese would be super, like I, of course. It's not a very complicated language, honestly. No, I mean like just the country in general. It's a neat place. I think because of course I, <laughs> I landed in Japan once mm-hmm. and transferred planes. And so I, I just remember flying over it was super cool i'm like dang that looks like a different country mm-hmm. that's japan weird so it's like cool that like i think it's just cool in general yeah, and, then, and then i like the idea i guess my nerd brain just goes to like the pokemon centers that they have there it's mm-hmm. always been that, that'd be like something i want to check out but i don't know there's lots of cool stuff there yeah there's the like the hot springs. There's the, the mountain. There's Have suicide you, forest. There's the cities. There's the parties. There's the DJs. There's the drifting. You have the drift culture if you know where to go. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff there that we don't have much access to. And then there's, you know, all the stereotypical stuff and all the cultural stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I. For me, it's more it's more having my first international experience because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Japan doesn't have like that huge draw. Like no no place really does honestly for me, where I'm like oh I've always wanted to go. It's just like oh, I've I've studied Japanese and I don't think mm-hmm. it's a dumb place. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not drawn to it any more than like Greece or whatever. Yeah. I was like oh I can see the Parthenon. <laughs> for sure. No, I feel yeah I guess. We see traveling very similarly because I... Like, I would like to experience the world, but, like, I'm not... You, I don't have specific goals for it. Yeah. So if 
like it sounds like that's kind of what happened is like your friends were like oh, we want to go to japan and you're like i'm down for that that sounds cool mm, basically so if somebody else was like if they were like oh I'm, let's go to let's go to egypt and check out this you're like yeah sure that sounds yeah, cool okay. like yeah that's, yeah that's more or less how it would go yeah, yeah that's my same it's it's look. tourism i don't have to it's not like we're going on a trip to to volunteer our time to build a, a hospital or whatever mm -hmm. we're going there just to eat food and see what's around Mostly, I mean, that's what that's what a lot of traveling is, is just experience yeah. new food. Experience new food, see some history. That's mm -hmm. a big one. Yeah. Japan's been around for a while. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Okay, okay. I thought I had a follow-up for that, but I lost it. I lost it. Oh, I remember. Um, have you thought about moving? Yeah. Where I think, to? I, I, don't th know. I think PewDiePie moved to Japan, didn't he? I don't know? know. I think he lives in Japan now. Maybe not. I last I heard he lived in England. I don't really watch his stuff, so mm -hmm. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. um, I have thought about moving a lot, but it's it's complicated. Because you don't have like a passport or anything to even. No. Yeah. I don't okay. have a passport right now. I get need to that. get one. Get it. I need to get one. Because I'm going to need it to travel even within the states on a plane. Because I don't have my real ID either. <laughs> You can use normal ID on a plane. Yeah, but you have to have passport. No. I've tried. I mean, I've been flying. Well, around. like, there because they pass it. I don't know when it starts, but you need a passport or a real ID to mm. travel interstate. It's probably when the normal IDs expire. So, like, there's probably real, there's real IDs are going to be the only IDs, and at yeah. that point, it'll probably be that. Yes, that's what it will be. Right. But so, you'll travel before then. Um, okay, so you like, said it's complicated. Know, well, because when, it's like how I imagine most people hmm. when they're figuring out what they want to do with their lives yeah, right and now, they don't want yeah. to move away from their family. Because mm -hmm. my friends are in a lot of ways an aspect of my family. For sure. Like you don't, you don't have a friend, you don't have a group of friends that stays the same for 10 years without them being like really important to you. Mm -hmm. So moving away would mean sacrificing a lot of that. Granted that sure. even in before COVID times, we, we had to schedule stuff to hang out because we, yeah. we had stopped being a thing that we did automatically. So for the most part, and like one of our friends lives somewhere else in, in the United States and he still hangs out with us online a lot. Mm -hmm. So I know that I could make it work, mm, but it's also not having a really great excuse to move either. It's not like I'm moving for work or to save money on rent or whatever. It's like, I'm just, I'd be moving to move. It'd be for you. Yeah, but like, why? I don't have a reason yet. I'm not self-sufficient to the point where I can afford rent on my own in most places. I can't afford a house. It's not like I'd be moving somewhere to buy a cheaper house. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have an excuse for myself to move yet. Mm -hmm. And in the place that I would want to go or places that have, like, good internet and a lot of stuff to do, which means it's going to be expensive to live there too. Sure. Because I guess, if anything, it's almost like now is a great time to move. Because, okay, like, I've thought about it in terms of my script supervisor life down in L.A. where it's like production was halted for X amount of time, stuff's ramping back up, and you almost have to, like, rework, regrow your network to get work again. So now is a good time to transition to union status because now at least if I'm going to rebuild, I might as well rebuild in the higher echelon. 
So I feel like it's a similar thing where it's like, I'm in limbo, might as well, instead of rebuilding right now and figuring out life in Reno, I could do the same thing somewhere else and just rebuild there. Well, yes and no. Because like... Minus the... Let me ask you this. Why didn't you move to L.A. sooner? Why didn't you move to L.A. straight out of college when you knew you wanted to do film as your career, even though you didn't know exactly what aspect of it you wanted to be? Yeah, I knew... It was... Okay. Yeah, for me it was... Because you stayed in Reno to do film stuff. It was an experience factor, Mm -hmm. is what it was for me. As I understood... And I'm glad I stayed back, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I cancel out the acting thing right away. It's like, all right, sweet, acting, no. Yeah. No acting. So if I would have went down there with trying to be an actor first, that would have been torture. Yes. So at least getting the initial experience of... It's just the confidence thing. is the mm-hmm. Having the experience going down there with the skill to add to, like being, being able to add to a project versus needing to learn on somebody else's dime or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I waited was I needed, I felt like I needed the experience and go down there as an asset Mm -hmm. from the get-go. And that's my best opportunity. Yeah, because for me, the reason that I would move is because I have my, I'm self-employed in a way that I'm comfortable and I know I can Mm -hmm. afford where I'm going. Mm -hmm. So why move to a place where I have to spend another thousand dollars per month on rent to continue to learn how to do my self-employment when I could stay here and do that. And once I become sustainable to that level, I could go live wherever I want. Well, you said the key word. Comfortable. Yeah. If I don't want to spend 90% of my money on rent (laughs) and have to scrounge around for ramen in order to survive because I want to be a live streamer and that's all I make, I could live here and have it be, you know, I can have savings, I can build more, I can invest mm-hmm. in equipment, or I can go move to L.A. and have a single-bedroom apartment for twice as much as I pay now. Right. And, you know, oh, my, uh, my mic breaks and I have to take out a loan to get it because I don't have any savings sure, to sure. spend at all. Like, that's, yeah. that's like the difference. It's like the comfort. I can sell my cars. I can buy cheaper, more fuel-efficient or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like... Once I reach the point where I feel like my career is actually growing, if I decide to go all in on live streaming specifically, sure, sure. once I reach the point where like I make money now, then I might be able to decide I'm gonna start. Okay. Like, I'll sell my cars, get it, you know, a Civic or whatever, and then ha- live yeah. somewhere where almost, I think is more interesting. Almost for like me. a more minimal. You 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 simplify simplify and then simplify life and then maximize. Uh, Work and then move and then move somewhere. I could see that, yeah. You know, better for my mental health or more interesting to be around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whether I move to Seattle or New York or you know, yeah. Because I mean, that's the cool thing about that path is because that's that's why I want to do it. Because if yeah. I if I if I live stream for a living, I can do it anywhere. Correct. If I have a good enough internet, it can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't have to live in a place that has you know. I don't have to move to LA specifically in order to become a no, professional sure. live streamer. I don't have to. I recommend not moving that. to LA for anything. Anything unless, besides unless working in film. Hollywood, yeah. There's no reason to be down there. Yeah. It's torture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm not planning on moving anytime soon. Because mm-hmm. I don't expect to become 
you know, uh, a professional self-employed person mm-hmm. within the next year. But after yeah, but, that, yeah, but yeah, I guess. So I guess for now, now is a good time to invest in doing that stuff. Well, invest in doing that stuff and just do the travel to places like you're already planning on doing, mm-hmm. and then be like, oh, I could. Ideally, then you have that minimal experience. Yeah, you can do road trips and, through places and, and see what's around. And then you'd be like, oh, cool, I could see, I could see myself living here. Like, this oh, would be kind yeah, of I can't wait to go live in Missoula. Whoa. <laughs> I was thinking more Japan, but... Can't travel to Japan right now? No, I'm saying in the future. <laughs> I know. <sighs> I know. Yeah. So, how for living for you, mm-hmm. do you think... You could make it work if you didn't live in LA. Make what work? Life? Your career no. goals. No. You would say that being in LA is basically completely correlated with your ability to I think become so. more successful. I feel like it is, yes. Um. Because I've definitely thought about during during that crazy lockdown, three months of lockdown that I was under down there. Mm-hmm. I did think about could I do this somewhere else? Let's say like New Mexico. I'm like I know there's film out, out in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Could I be in Albuquerque? After and, Breaking Bad, they really brought it in. Like, could I be out there? And I have family there. I have you know different family there than yeah. You have you have some resources. There, there's and stuff. there's some roots there. And who knows how that would play. But I'm like, all right, is that a possibility? Maybe Georgia's a possibility. Could I do the same thing there? Would it be cheaper? Is I don't know. Like, I was kind of thinking about the same thing I told you. It's like, if I'm going to rebuild, then I have other options. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there's too many people and too much centralization in LA where it's the best opportunity for me to just interact with the people I need to interact with and kind of grow. I don't know. It's just that I don't feel like the opportunity is as, uh, as wide open as anywhere else. Well, how often do you get more opportunities in person rather than like over email or whatever else you would use? Well, I mean the fact that I get the opportunities at all is because I'm down there. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I'm getting the stuff. But like, I, that's the tough thing too. Is like, uh, to bring up another guest, mm-hmm. Michael G. Gable, okay, model actor. He, being that things have kind of changed now, where you're not really doing the in-person auditions for for him specifically. Mm-hmm. he's able to just audition from anywhere and get gigs and then line up a gig and he only has to go into town for the gig. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't have to pay the rent there. He can just show up. Um, I don't know. So I feel like it'd be kind of similar to me to that too. It's like, if people think I live down there or I don't know how it would work, but I don't know. I don't know technically because your skill set's a little bit different because you don't do like writing or acting you're, you're like a behind the camera kind of person who's working your way to director yeah so as so, a script supervisor do you think 
you wouldn't be able to get as much work if you live four hours away rather than however long it takes you to get there now. Yes. <laughs> I feel like as a script supervisor and as a director, it's just the convenience of being in the city opens up way more opportunity mm -hmm. for me right now. Because I've, I've only been there two years, and uh, maybe my outlook will change as, as we get deeper in this post-COVID world. I'm like, All right, how are jobs coming in now? What's the, where are the jobs? But... I don't know. The answer is like LA is where I need to be right now. If I want to make this work, um, and then next year is my as I'm I'm gonna push harder on the directing too. Like I have yet to, as of this episode, I have yet to be hired on and paid as, as a, a director. Because I know you did that one. You you directed because the director didn't show up or something. Oh yeah, um, for some video. <laughs> it was uh, when I was, I think I was the assistant director for for Smosh, mm -hmm. and the director was flying in that morning, but his stuff was delayed. He was going to be late, so I directed the first scene. Mm -hmm. um, just that was kind of scary, <laughs> because it was my first time assistant directing for them, and I was like wanting to do a good job, and then that's thrown on me at the last second too. And I'm like, this is day one. You're making me do both. I would have like aced it if I knew I was going to be directing today, but uh, that was kind of yeah. But that that's my only experience, and I didn't I didn't get paid as a director on that. It was just yeah, I filled in for like half an hour. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's the next push. Yeah, good luck on that. Here it's hard. <laughs> it's definitely difficult, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I'm definitely happy in the script supervisor chair, assisting directors and seeing their visions through and almost learning from the shadow perspective of like, all right, they're making this decision in these circumstances. I can think in my director brain without the pressure of making the decision. Mm -hmm. What so you would have done or yeah, whatever. It's a, nice, it's a nice training ground for now. But, uh, but yeah, so whatever you take of that for, for your endeavors. I don't know. Because, I mean, none of the things that I want to do necessarily are surrounded by any particular place. The only thing I could say is that if I wanted to pursue screenwriting in any way, one of the dream jobs would be to write for one of the seasons of Rick and Morty since they already mm. passed ten of them. Mm. And they're, I think they're making the fifth one now because the fourth one just came out on Blu-ray. But, like... So if I want to, if I start writing really hard and I get really funny, mm -hmm. I might be able to get a Rick and Morty job yeah, yeah. right before it ends, given that it ends at 10 and, not, no, for and sure. doesn't become the next Simpsons or whatever. I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah, it sounds a lot like... So like, I don't know how to pursue that. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to get the attention. Like, I don't know any of that. I don't know how to get in the industry. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like to me what that would be is, like you said, you write funny stuff you just write funny and stuff. you get it produced. Yeah. So that way the Rick and Morty dudes stumble upon it mm -hmm. or it gets sent to them and it's like oh my gosh that thing's funny yeah, when they're looking for new writers or whatever my name comes up in some some form or fashion I mean, that, that's the because like i mean that's what everybody says mm -hmm. especially in the in the film industry it's like you just need to do the work to be ready for the opportunity because it's, it's a lot of luck but you have to be ready when opportunity strikes because I, I told you about my kevin feige experience yeah 
It's, I mean, it's the, it's a, cause that it's the same thing with me. Like I want to direct a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. I don't know how to get there. And then Kevin Feige is like, just make something cool. Yeah, that's that's how they. And that, I'm like, all right. So it's the same thing for you. It's like, how do you, how do I get noticed by them? It's like, make something cool that they would like, and then you're on their radar. And it's like, all right. Well. If you make something funny, they'll see it. But like, yeah, I, I hear that all the time. Red Letter Media talks about it a lot, where like they'll they'll take a director who made like a, an indie movie that's really good and well well received, and now they're making mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, and they're making Jurassic World. You know, <laughs> they're they're making the next Marvel movie. They're they're directing Ant Man or whatever. They, yeah. made, they made one good movie and now they're, they're in the, the system. They're in the talks. They're in Disney now. Yeah, they had a whole interview. Maybe they weren't taken, but they were considered. Like, that's all cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how it works. Because I, like, I think about Taika Waititi specifically. I'm like, I wonder if he was already a Thor fan or if they went to him and like, here's a character, read up on this dude. We want you to make a Thor movie. And then he did his research and came back with a, like, I don't know how it works. I got to get him on the podcast. <laughs> From the interviews that I've seen of Taika, um, he didn't know anything about Thor. Mm-hmm. Or it was like like me, where like maybe he saw the movies or whatever, but he'd never like read the comics or looked into the lore or whatever. And then he just got approached to do that movie yeah, because yeah. he's a funny guy and they wanted to make Thor funnier. Because they, like, they like his tone and they like what he brings to the table and yeah. then they mesh it and then they make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, the creative pursuit, man. Yeah. Maybe one no day pressure. I'll be, maybe one day I'll be creative enough to <laughs> to make money. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, who knows? I think I'm funny sometimes. Yeah, I think you're funny too sometimes. That's good. That's a good start. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't have really anything else. We're pretty much there. I'm trying to see if I have anything else before I let you go. I don't have anything positive left, so I don't think you want to end on that. Okay. All right. So. Is your favorite animal still bear? You still like the grizzly? If I had to pick an animal, probably yeah. I haven't really tried. I, like I don't, I don't have any reason to choose anything else. <laughs> yeah, I still like tigers. That's good. Cool. That was, that was your question. <laughs> and that's a closing question, everybody. Wow. No, I had I had nothing here. Um, I. I'm just, I'm happy I got to chat with you on the podcast. I'm looking forward to future, looking back on this moment and being like, oh. Yeah, this is a transitionary it's, point. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, like many people, this is a very, yeah, would you say transition? transitionary? Yeah, transitionary point in, the, in lives. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be cool. Yeah, we'll see. See how this election goes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you worry. All right. So I guess one final thing to keep in mind on the time capsuleness of this episode in in relation to the family dynamic here, the brother to brother. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was going to say this looks the lame kind of thing of uh, like, I like when videos have um, the future you reacting to the previous you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I thought that at that time that was adorable. I never think positively about my <laughs> previous opinions. I was thinking like a... Because you're always growing, you're always yeah, becoming like, better. What a dumb caveman, why would I believe that? Well, that's good to know. It's good to know, you got to keep yourself in check. I'm very self-critical, to, to maybe, a point where maybe, it's unhealthy. Maybe too critical. Oh yeah. 
There's a reason that I throw away all the things that I write. I got that. I... <laughs> that is too critical. It's like, oh, this is trash. Never look at it again. Yeah. No one should see this. Yeah. Well, what's the, all right, what's the, for account, because I'm a fan of accountability, what's the next thing you're, what's the I'm goal? I'm just trying, like right now the, the goals you're, are. You're just trying to write. The goals, well, I don't even know about that. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get enough, because the, the problem that I have mm -hmm. is that I'm taking on too many things at the same time. Mm. I'm learning guitar. I'm writing, I'm live streaming, I'm exercising, and I'm trying to keep up with news at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, like, things got to give a little bit because even though I'm unemployed, so you think that I have a lot of time, you know, you just don't want to do stuff a lot of the time. I wake up yeah, and I don't yeah, want to, yeah. I wake up at 8 a.m. and I don't get out of bed till noon or whatever because I just sure. feel bad. Yeah. And then I lose the, my guitar practice and I lose, like, all this time. And then I watch yeah, Sports yeah, Center yeah. for, like, four hours and it's like, oh, the whole day's gone. <laughs> yeah. So, Right now, I'm trying to focus on fitness because it's important to me to be healthy mm -hmm. and to be just physically ready to do stuff, whether it's bouldering or hiking or whatever, mm -hmm. so that way I can be outside. Physical health, mental health. Yeah. Mental health is important too. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of. I mean, I can't. I can't. I don't have insurance, so I can't get like a cheap or free therapist or whatever. But I've been yeah. looking into it. But the goal really is right now just to consistently work on podcasting and live streaming because of the two things that I can easily control. Yeah. Because sometimes you just get writer's block and like, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. Blame myself for not being able to write for 30 minutes because I just couldn't think of anything. Yeah, yeah. I can, no, always, for sure. I can always, you know, add a little bit of editing. I can always do research on how to use programs better yeah. and stuff. Like, that's, I mean, that's what it always comes down to, right? Is like, what what's in, what's in my control right now? Mm -hmm. What could I do to further myself? In whatever way, like I think about, I watched a, like Mike Shinoda went to USC and did a little chat. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he said was when they're making hybrid theory, he's like, he's like, because there's so much going on, you're like, what, what is in my control? And he's like, you know what the goal is, I'm going to make 70 tracks. And that's like a number you can build toward is like, mm -hmm. and, and then you boil it down from there for the best of the best. And this is going to be our first album. Yep. But like having that big number to aim for is, is, is in your control. Yeah. And it makes every single one less pressure. So not like yeah. I need to make 10 perfect tracks. I need to make 70 anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's the old uh, Jerry Seinfeld method. Mm. He um, allegedly, I don't know how true it, it is. I don't remember where I even learned this, but. He had a thing where he would play a game called um, Don't Stop the Chain. Because on a calendar, his goal every day was to write one joke. And whenever mm. he wrote a joke, he put an X on the calendar. And the goal was to never break the chain. Always write a joke. No matter how bad it was, write something. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the same, the same idea. You, you get better by just doing something consistently. Consistency is the big, biggest mm -hmm. thing. So that's, that's what I'm working on is... You're right, right. Consistency. Because for positive and negative aspects of my personality, I have a tendency to binge. Mm -hmm. So I'll overeat. I'll eat like a whole cake in a day. And then, you know, two weeks later, I'll run like four miles at once and then mm -hmm. walk another eight. Be like, that made me healthy. Right, right. So I was just trying to consistently be moving in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. That's that's the goal. That's a good goal. So whatever that means, yeah. however you measure that. No consistency is key exercising more regularly, trying to, you know, the thing that I'm working on a lot in the last couple of months is 
stretching because I, mm-hmm. I hate stretching. Mm-hmm. So that way I get injured less and, you know, I stay sore for less. Yeah, for time. sure. For so sure. You know, you, you got to take care of yourself. That's what it's all about. Yes, sir. Whew. All right. So it's time to return back to reality. I, oops. And, uh, but yeah, thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we will see you next time. Yeah, whenever that is. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>